Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 36. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing all right. Running errands, and now I'm ready to rest, relax, yeah. and record this podcast. But before we get into GCW's wasted time, uh, I know we wanted to talk about some... Uh, a little GCW ECW stuff since we had some ECW performers on this card. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about ECW and GCW. Okay, so I wanted to sit down and kind of look at um, a couple parallels that were going on between these two companies. We talk about it all the time, but I don't know how many people have really sat there and maybe, you know, bullet pointing some of these things. So I'm going to kind of give... A little bit of a glimpse of the times because it's very similar to the times we have now or at least with triple h at the helm things are improving but it was the mid 90s and wwe was stale and ecw was grabbing primarily a niche audience and these were lapsed fans that had aged out of the wwe product which sounds a lot like what we have now especially when you look in the crowd yes that's how i kind of like I didn't stumble upon GCW, but kind of did. It was during the pandemic and I was reading up on um, one of the wrestling sites and I saw like, oh, free 24 hour wrestling show on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, sweet. I'll check that out. I stay up late and I'll watch it for 24 seven. And at that time, I not fallen out of watching WWE, but I wasn't into it nearly <laughs> as much uh, obviously right, i was right. as you said as a kid we kind of fell out not a fell out of love but we didn't go out of our way it wasn't appointment viewing every monday and thursday or friday whatever smackdown was on so uh yeah and this was a very good alternative for wwe and mm-hmm. obviously got my love gcw re-sparked my interest into wrestling and actually took it to a whole nother level and i think that's kind of what you're talking about with uh the wwe fans kind of uh falling yeah. falling out of watching it all the time and stuff like that so yeah i definitely see that parallel with ecw because i didn't watch too much ecw as a kid i was like a teenager when they were kind of getting popular so i couldn't afford the pay-per-views and stuff as much, but when I did see some of it, it was crazy. It was a nice alternative then, too, so definitely see the parallels between ECW and GCW based off of that. And it's really eye-opening as to all the talent that they had coming in. We see that now today. And I know we spoke recently about how ECW probably would have thrived a lot more if they had the platform that the internet provides today or, you know, all the other wrestling companies to take advantage of it now. Um, I won't go deep into that, but yeah, so this is where our parallels kind of kept going through. I will talk about ECW, and you can listen to how many of these are very close. So ECW was a Northeast promotion based in Philly. It was independent. It was considered an upstart company. It was originally owned by one man and then purchased by Paul Heyman. Uh, from the original promoter there. This was considered an underground sensation. They had violent bloodbaths. They also featured real wrestling at times in certain spots. There were adult themes. There were fun and unique matches. There was a, uh, a host of foreign talent that would come through. There were previous stars from other companies and eras that would appear. 
and a lot of the performers were able to take creative liberties in their matches. That sounds a lot like GCW to me, and um, I don't know how many people had a chance to hammer that out, but I got those out, and it just felt so much felt so much like history repeating itself. Yeah, and see, back when I was watching ECW, I didn't like. Especially back way back then, I didn't. I wasn't into. I didn't get in, into independent wrestling at all until I found GCW, and then I kind of like fell in love with the match styles because they're not limited to what move sets they could do. And like as you said, the more creative freedoms, especially in the ring, I find that style to be way more appealing to me and way more interesting and um, fun to watch than a scripted out move for move match. And not saying that like GCW calls everything in the ring. Obviously we know they do stuff, but I just think with the creative freedom in the ring, it just made, especially for ECW at that time, I was seeing shit I never saw before. Like Mike Awesome with the awesome bombs outside through the tables and uh, some of the shit to Jerry was doing, not to mention all the, like the other uh, people that end up kind of being cruiserweights in WCW. I never knew of them. So there was a lot of new faces with a lot of cool moves. And that's what kind of got me into it. And then I was like, oh shit, they're doing like the death matches and all this stuff. It's, it was crazy. And that's kind of how, yeah, it's probably outsiders to GCW. That's probably how they're viewing GCW. Uh, very similar to how we all viewed ECW back in the day. And yeah, I, uh, based on some of the stats, I know you're going to read. I never knew like, I didn't get fully into ECW. I watched it whenever I could. And obviously, like, even at my parents, I was still like, I think I was right to be about to be a teenager and stuff like that. So I was kind of, yeah, we can't watch that because all you said, the adult themes and kind of the carnage and bloodbaths and stuff where they're like, no, you can't watch that. And so I had to sneak it in every once in a while. So I didn't get fully into it. But uh, now with the WWE Network and Peacock, I've been able to kind of go back and enjoy all the stuff that I really never got to enjoy back then. And I just kind of now knowing now what I know with independent wrestling nowadays, I'm really mad. I didn't stick with watching ECW and all the independent wrestling's in. Cause I now go back and I watch stuff from 2002, 2003, like the PWG stuff. I know it's completely opposite, but it's independent wrestling that I never knew was out there. But the independent wrestling to me is ring of honor or these little local shows that are the backyard shows that were not that many people. So I never got into it. So, um, I think GCW is doing the same as ECW is getting these, like you said, these laps of viewers that don't watch wrestling or kind of fell out of wrestling. And I think they do an excellent job, especially when people go to a show. I think that's the main key. You get a different feel at the show than you do watching the show. And I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and I know my friend, like he's not, he kind of fell out of wrestling a long time ago and he hears me and my wife talking about GCW and how cool, it, how cool it is. And he's like, wait, she's into GCW. Like what the hell's going on where she's into like, she, my wife never watched us and she doesn't like it. She still doesn't even really like it other than when we go to these GCW shows, but we took him to the first one to his first GCW show. And he's like, right away, like when we're driving him back to his house, like, Hey, can I get your, uh, like TV pass. And so I could go back and watch some of your show, some of the shows that you bought and stuff like that to get into it and get into the Lord. I think just being in that atmosphere, because you are a part of the show and watching ECW and how they wrestle into the crowds and get the crowd chance and stuff like that. The exact same feeling I get. And it's just, it's just awesome seeing a cool parallel for independent wrestling as ECW was now. And we get to see it in person at GCW. The thing that really got me when I started, because for me, independent was primarily starting with 
VHS tapes. There were deathmatch tapes out of Japan that you could buy. Sometimes you could find them in the back of magazines, and sometimes your friend may have one if you were lucky and he'd let you borrow it. And uh, one time my VH, my VCR ate a VHS tape of one, but uh, he forgave me for it. But with PTW, <laughs> they had all this talent when it came to Lucha coming through that really wasn't seen much in America at the time. And then we had this incredible, um, this incredible focus on cruiserweights, which, again, at the time, the focus was really on bulkier, larger men. And Bret Hart was considered small at the time, where if you look at ECW, Bret Hart would have been huge oh, yeah. compared to some of these other guys. So all, all these guys that weren't really given chances, we were able to see in the spotlight. And I feel like that's the same thing I can say about a lot of these guys at GCW, regardless of size. You can see someone like Sawyer Rack, who is not small, but still getting looked at because she's just so different and we take her in and it just works so well for everyone. Um, let me go ahead and give you some more numbers unless you, you wanted to say something. I had a feeling you're... I had, I was going to just mention like, it's kind of like how ECW propelled, like you said, these people that wouldn't get the chance in WWE, they gave them that platform that I always kind of talk about. I know we always talk about given the platform, given the platform and... <laughs> ECW gave the platform to the Chris Jericho's, the Eddie Guerrero's, the Benoit's, the the Nunzios, and all like all you said those undersized wrestlers. And I I see the same parallel with GCW now with and they helped those wrestlers get the platform to go to a WCW and keep on proving their worth into WWE. And that's what like I always think of like Speedball like he's like the biggest one that comes to my mind is he's kind of. I know I knew he wrestled before and stuff like that, but on his little current run now with GCW, that run he's been on is kind of helped him get to impact. And so I see another similarity going with that part of giving these uh, wrestlers a platform to get into bigger companies that probably wouldn't have given Speedball a look back then because they didn't know exactly what Speedball had unless you dive mm-hmm. really deep into it. And I, I just like that. And I had a like I just wanted to quickly talk about it. like I don't know if you did it or not, but I always get very interested when MLJ is talking about tape trading and stuff. I never did tape trading. Like oh, my, my thing was bad. okay, back in the day it was like quote unquote lime wire and stuff. Like that's how I would go out and get these shows, not with tape trading. So did you used to tape trade? And if so, I would love oh, to hear gosh. how like you get started in that, what exactly happens okay, yeah. and how it works. I would like to hear everything because I've what I pictured is okay. Like I got it. As you said, you just share it with a friend and stuff like that. But with the internet back then, it wasn't as popular as it is now. So I've always wondered how you were able to get all these different videos and stuff like that from all these different companies. Okay. So, um, it kind of worked like this. I had a friend who had a couple different ones and they were compilations of death matches from around the country. And, there weren't many companies at this time. And I would have to say 94, 95. I mean, that's maybe even 93. Don't quote me there. But what happened was I basically started watching these. And then again, when you're poor, you don't have a ton of money, right? But you got enough, hopefully that you can get a blank tape, like a blank VCR tape. And then you try to find a way to record that. And luckily, hopefully within your group of friends, someone will give you the means to be able to do that. So every time you get it, then you're making a recording of pretty much everything that you've seen 
because you want to watch it and you want to keep that library. So, so every new tape I watched, I'm making a copy of for myself and handing the tape right back to him. Or if I don't have a way to get to, say, the mall, or if I don't have a way to get to all this other stuff, I'll throw him whatever it costs me for the VHS, plus like an extra dollar or two for picking it up, and he'll just like make a copy for me. And sometimes what happened was some of these guys would make money off of burning copies of that VHS for them because he was able to get VHS tapes real cheap because he was buying them in bulk just to do that. I mean, I mean, I, I heard of this. I've never seen it really happen. So like back in the day, no, though, no, no, seriously. Yeah, yeah. But like back in the day, like, I, I don't know, like an independent company other than like, what would be like a, one of the companies that you traded with just for example. Oh, it worked like this. So there were sometimes a lot of FMW. Now, how do you, how would you get that back in the day? Like through pay-per-view? Because when I was on pay-per-view, all I used to see wrestling wise was the WWE, WCW, ECW. But I never knew how I could go about getting Ring of Honor watching that because I didn't have that. So that's why I wonder, like Mm -hmm. those independent companies, were they doing like pay-per-views back then too? Or how would you get the lower end, like the independent wrestling that's not one of the top three at that time? How would you go about getting one of their shows if they weren't on TV to record? If they weren't on TV, sometimes like in the later time when dial-up internet was going on, 96, 97, 98, into 2000, there would be people that would set their machine up, go on to LimeWire, Napster, whatever, and they would download a full show off of wherever that was ripped off of a CD or whatever, and it could have just been ripped off of someone's VHS tape, and you're just popping a copy off of that. And if you're lucky when you wake up in the morning, hopefully that whole <laughs> yeah. thing is downloaded right dude like a song could sometimes take five minutes or more like a three and a half megabyte you know song could take that long um so an album could sometimes take an hour or so um but anyway so <clears throat> like for me a lot of fmw came up and that's why i discovered terry funk and mankind well beforehand yeah, that's before crazy yeah mankind. yeah yeah so um that was coming up, and then I started to learn about people like Matt Van Pondo, and then later on Nick Gage, and then I was going through a huge CZW phase when that was really popping. Um, no lie, back in the day, XPW was fucking wild. Uh, <laughs> there are stories out there how crazy that shit went. Um, yeah, coming into areas like this, basically what it was was that my friend would have a friend or it would get to a point where we'd make friends because a lot of us would watch wrestling together. Now, when tape trading really spread for me was around 98, 99, and 2000 because I was in college. And that's when all the kids come together in dorms and shit. And that's when eventually all the nerdy-ass wrestling fans find each other. And that's when I started getting treasure troves of like, 20, 30, 40 fucking tapes where I was running out of money for, for blank tapes. And then, you know, that's how, that's how you can build a library, but networking, I mean, it took me a couple of years cause I was on the tail end branch. I was always getting it from my friend, but then eventually I started meeting these people. And then, like I said, college, once college came around, people were like, Oh, have you seen this one? Oh, have you seen this one? And I'm like, no, I need a copy. No, I need a copy. And then before I know it, I was like taking six to eight hour VHSs and I was popping, you know, three VHS tapes worth of shit on one tape. And 
like I ah oh, miss it. If it, if I knew it was worth money, I would have asked my mom to keep it because that's all sitting at my house from twenty plus years ago. Um, but that was primarily how it was. Anytime you could get your hands on something new, you absolutely stuck to it. Um, FMW, I'm mentioning that one because that's the one that really opened me up to how dangerous Deathmatch was going. And I still, at the time, I, I knew how fake shit was. I mean, it was hard to deny. But then I saw a part where I saw someone using a sickle on someone's stomach, like <laughs> pointing it into their stomach and turning it. And as a, as a teenage boy, like a, a younger teenage boy, I'm like, oh, shit, that's brutal. And I fell in love with it instantly. Absolutely. Abdullah the Butcher, I discovered through a video. I can't remember which one. Um, you know, I got to see a lot of good Puerto Rico stuff because it was bloody. I was fortunate to see a lot of that. Uh, gosh. I don't know. But that's, that's primarily how it went. Just imagine you meet me, who's a fan. Yeah. And I have, let's just say, 70 tapes. And guess what? Now your library, as quickly as you can afford it, will now have an additional 70 tapes. Yeah, see, when I was hearing, like, the tape trade, like, they were, like, mailing them across the country. So, like, that was, like, yes, for me, tape trade was, like, my uncle, like, I would never afford to, or didn't buy the pay-per-views then. So, like, my uncle would tape it for me on his VCR, then ship it to me, and then I'd watch it then. Or, like, I'd have to wait a couple months and wait for it to come out at Blockbuster, and I'd always go to the Blockbuster yeah. little wrestling section and watch it. So, I'm always interested... Whenever I hear like people talk about tape trading, I've always wondered like the ins and outs and how that would work. Because I guess back then you did have like message boards and stuff like that, so it made it easier. But I just always wondered like it mm-hmm. sounds like they're talking about the tape trading before really the internet came, kind of came and brought life to the message board. So I've always oh, yeah. wondered yeah. how that would kind of work. But that was a yeah, that was that was good information. Thank you. Yeah. That, so I was never really big on sending my money across the country. That's why I always depended on, on friends, yeah. friends and friends because it was just a hell of a lot safer. You know, once that cash is in that thing and gone, it could very well be gone. And you're just hoping that some stranger is going to make good on his word. So yeah. I wasn't the type to do that. The only thing I ordered was a death match out of Japan one time out of the back of a magazine. And I only did that because I go, oh, it's reputable. It's coming out of the back of a magazine, a wrestling Yeah. Magazine. So, uh, <laughs> like, I like how MLJ will post, like, his match, top 10 matches I watched this week or the matches I watched this month. And, like, yeah. it's so cool seeing the diversity in it and stuff. But then I'm always like, can you please put where you found that so I can watch it too? Like, because not That's everything incredible. is on YouTube. There is still, like, not secret message board, but message boards for, like, members only and stuff like that. So I always, like, when I see all, like, I, I like, whenever, whenever MLJ posts or stuff, like, I didn't, pretty much anybody, I'm always like, okay, I saved it. I take a picture of those lists and I'm like, okay, I've seen that. It's WWE, Impact. AW whatever but then i'm like oh the k this company like never heard of it it's, looks like a good matchup they, like mlj has a very similar taste in rest like me except he's like all over the place where i mm-hmm. i'm kind of like that too i like to learn new stuff and see new stuff that hey i might like it i might not so i really i wish uh i'm gonna maybe post that the next time when they do uh, hot dogs and handshakes i'm gonna kind of post like hey when you post your top 10 matches you watch that week can you post like where you found it so that way i could go watch it too because nowadays like i'm down to go watch almost any and all wrestling that's not the top three or top two companies now like i want to go and search all these stuff that i never heard of nowadays it's a lot easier because all the streaming services iwtv fight tv mm-hmm. plus all that stuff so it does make it a lot easier but like 
these random ass ones. I can actually hear, still hear him talk like, hey, you still got like that zip file sent it to me and stuff like that. Like Vixen, yep. fan, I think has a lot of like those uh, unreleased stuff. So I really wish they would make or he, somebody, MLJ would kind of post like where they found it. So that way, if we were able to find it, even if it costs money or whatever, to go out there and check out all these awesome matches that I never even heard of, seen of, or would like to see. So, um. So this is where the nerd part of me will come in. And if you get a chance um, and you ever buy one, let me know because we can watch it on my VCR. But if you want to have a real enjoyable time, you go and get the old ECW VHS tapes because those are the ones that have the original music. on. Yep. So you get to hear RVD come out to walk. You don't get to hear some cheesy WWE rock knockoff that they stuck in there because of copyright reasons yeah so yeah that's one of the things i'd like to tell you that i'm thinking about possibly doing that myself just because it's it's such a cool thing i might do a little tape collecting on the old ecw yeah when i see people uh, posting deeper, I don't know. yeah when i see people yeah, posting clips of like ecw i'm like man like that's what i feel like now watching it but that was back then and look at the crowd look at the like like other than like the not the apron um the barrier around the ring kind of separating the fans from the ring. It's like, I'm watching, I feel like I'm watching a GCW show, the energy in the crowd, the, like you said, the diverse wrestling, the adult, like I, 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 I need to still dive into a lot more ECW than what I watched. I kind of only watched what it was back then and kind of like the big major stories and stuff, but there's, I know a lot of stuff in there in ECW. I kind of want to go back. Cause I always get those same feeling. I get watching GCW. I skip watching those little clips and, Definitely want to dive into ECW some more to catch up on some stuff that like a lot of stuff I missed. Okay, so let's have some fun here. I'm gonna throw some numbers at you, and I'm one. I don't know if you'll enjoy them or not, but here's some. Oh yeah, I did. Okay, so ECW had some real incremental incremental growth over the years. They were considered the alternative, and it was considered a movement. And a lot of that was coming from Paul Heyman. He was somebody that really had this penchant for being able to pull a crowd and rally them together. And this movement, this ECW movement was just a big thing. And it feels like GCW still has, has not still, but they have this, this movement and you're part of this thing and either you're in it, you've experienced it and you love it, or you're on the outside of the circle. And that's just kind of how it is. But um, at peak, there were 6,000 fans at our Anarchy Rules in 1999. That was the largest crowd that ECW had drawn. It may have been tied for a couple that are very close, but you know how gate numbers are? They get a little hazy. Yeah. Sometimes, especially when you're trying to break a record somewhere. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this attendance because it's kind of cool. Uh, November 1st, 1998 until November 5th of 2000 were peak years for ECW. All top 10 shows attendance wise were within that time period. Without gate numbers, I believe this puts GCW attendance wise around the gates of ECW 93 or 94. And I'll tell you why. In 93, the top 15 gates were, or the top five gates were 1500, 1100, 800, 670, and 650. I honestly think that EC or GCW does better than that now or at least they're more consistently um, averaging more than that. Being my, your top five being only 650, I think somewhat low for GCW. Uh, in 1994, though, 
the top five shows were 1500, 1400, another 1400, 1300, and 1100. So that's why I kind of placed GCW somewhere in that 1993, 1994 range when it comes to attendance figures. Um, yeah, those are pretty big numbers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think, so, I, I think from what I heard, Hammerstein is their biggest crowd that they've had. I could be completely wrong, but I thought that's what I heard was Hammerstein. That was close to 2000, I think, if I remember correctly. For ECW or GCW? GCW, sorry, GCW. Yeah, GCW. It was 2000 plus, according to what they were saying there. And that was the largest crowd that Hammerstein Ballroom has ever seen for wrestling that had been intended. So that was kind of cool to... to find out about it that i didn't know i'm sure it's been said a hundred times but for some reason it passed over me 1996 was the first year that their top 10 gates were all above a thousand so what that's telling me is that gcw keeps pushing 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 very well they could be pushing up into the 94 95 96 years coming up and again i think what really worked for ecw up until the end was the fact that they were true to who they were so I really do hope, and I believe that's what um, has been said before, was that we only want so much growth and we only want to get so big because when we get past that, it, it, you know, it becomes a little muddy. The it, crowds get a little bigger. The people are a little different. And see, I, was thinking, I think I talked about that last time where some of these places are going to, like the crowd sizes looks incredible and it's like not their yeah. first time. So it's getting bigger and bigger where it's outgrowing, as you said, their, their market for that area. So they got to find a different venue. But there are some venues that I definitely would not like to, I would like to see them stay, like even if they have to like kind of hold people out from going, quote unquote, sell out the venues. I think it would still be cool to keep those venues like the FET, the UCC, the, obviously the Carousel Room, um, uh, the Melrose Ballroom. I really love that place too when they go when they go to the Melrose Ballroom in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we kind of know what that, that show is going to be like without the violence and all that craziness because of New York rules. But I just like the whole feel of the Melrose Ballroom and like how they, they make it look. And I... I like them keeping those places, no matter whatever. If they reach capacity and then, hey, it's sold out, you're screwed. Oh, well, because those venues look so amazing and how it comes off with the crowd and the production and stuff. I would really hope that they don't go away from those venues, but maybe throw in another show that weekend somewhere else or maybe even throw in the same show that weekend in the same venue just to kind of get those people that met and missed out the first time, get them a second chance to kind of go to the second show. So some more fun numbers here. The UCC fan sellout is roughly around 800 people. The carousel room, I'm going to assume is close. I tried to check some numbers on that. There were some banquet numbers and they had some other type of numbers. I would say 800 is fairly close. I also think it's a smart move by GCW to actually get away from the carousel room in Atlantic City for a while, not to kind of oversaturate that Jersey market. And I think it's worked. There's been a lot of great venues that GCW has been able to get out to that I just think are absolutely fantastic. And these are venues that we're not going to see the WWE or AEW go to. You're not going to see WWE go to Pops. And and even if they did, like every time they go to these places, it feels the same. Just they they just put a literally a different city up on the caption. That's the only way I could tell. Oh, that's where they're at. Like, 
all these venues feel the same with these bigger companies. That's why I love with the GCW going to all these cool venues. Cause like, you know me, like I remember the venues and where was that mm-hmm. instead of like the card names and stuff like that. So I really enjoy the importance that kind of GCW makes the venue selection uh, feel as they kind of pick the, where they're going to have their shows. Because I, I, I agree with you. Like you said, like some of these venues are just awesome to see, even if it's for one time only or for a crowd of 200 people, it still looks pretty incredible to watch. And I do enjoy when they go to some of these cool places. Like that's kind of one of my newest ones. I really, really enjoy when they go there. I like how the camera angle is. It's a little bit higher than normal to kind of when the hard cam is and stuff like that. And when they Mm -hmm. kind of do the different camera angles, like seeing the crowd sitting up in the, up in the the stands, not, not the stands, but like up top on the balcony and stuff like that. It's kind of, always cool to me to kind of see all those cool different camera angles in the venues. And I, I really hope they kind of keep exploring new venues while keeping some of the venues that they normally go to in their rotation. So I'm going to give you another fun number because I just wanted to look it up here. Um, ECW arena. Now the 2300 yep. arena over in Philly. Okay. So back when ECW was shooting there, it was roughly a seating capacity of 1300 to 1400 roughly now they've opened it up quite a bit and i believe it's now 2300 literally <laughs> 2300 arena that's what, so that's fantastic to know but yeah for the nerds out there kind of something cool to but what like about. i watched the mlw show there and it's like this is the place because it was so empty because there's so many open seats and like open venue and open walkway so i was like that didn't feel the same. But yeah, didn't feel the same watching it. I was like, where is everybody at? Like, this is not, this doesn't feel like the ECW arena where it's jam packed, crowded, fans are shoulder to shoulder and stuff like that. So it's kind of disappointing seeing when, when other companies run those same venues and seeing all the open spaces. Like, that's not the same place that I have in my memory. Okay. So I won't go too far into it. But the one thing that GCW will have a hard time replicating, especially since we have the era that we do would be the ECW style of being a rebel, being a heel, and being downright nasty and mean. Those are things that really GCW can't do in this era. It's just people would be too offended with some of the things that were said and done back then to draw heat. And ah. it was to be controversial yeah. then, which lets you know that it won't fly now. Yeah, he- I'm not saying that they would have to say the same shit. I would, they would not. I'm just, I'm not saying that they would. I'm just saying that it would be so hard for them to say, yeah, we're edgy. Yeah. When this is the company that's more about being on the outside, but acceptance, acceptance of the wrestlers, the people, the performers, you know. So it kind of puts this soft edge on GCW that it's going to be really hard for them to ever want to shake. And I, I don't think they will. I think what they have is a great balance of violence plus, uh, a good chunk of family aspect there and you know, and like the authenticity a, a pee break during an ultra violent match you know you yeah the kid to go get a pretzel or go meet a wrestler you know, hey yeah we we uh like my wife we like she'll she'll go and get the get shirts get merch and stuff like that while i'm in there ducking light tubes flying at my head but i like how they okay. keep like the authenticity but as you said we kind of see and i'm kind of glad with some of the stuff that they kind of draw their line on where like ECW, like you're not going to get that Raven Tommy dreamer hanging up as a, I think it was Raven Tommy dreamer. I'm pretty sure like the crucifix and getting like beat up and whipped and stuff like that. Like 
that stuff, yeah, that's not going to find no more. But I do find like they do push the envelope to mm-hmm. certain degrees, but not as much as you said as GCW. So I kind of like how they toe the line, but they don't cross it because it makes it still feel like an authentic GCW show. And like the next show that we're going to talk about, the the one afternoon only, I kind of really liked how they started off saying it's all family friendly and we're going to change it up and it made it very entertaining but then crossed the line where they could where they're allowed to exactly so i do like how they kind of toe the line but don't cross it because there are some things like even on the next show there are some things that for in my opinion kind of cross the line with all that stuff so uh it, it is a tough thing especially especially nowadays as we've seen there's a lot more that could go wrong when you kind of push the envelope as they kind of like to. So I wanted to mention before we get too far into this, because yeah, but Pops Nightclub is freaking cool. I love it. To me, it looks like it's almost shot in a mall because you have those real high ceilings. There's plenty of walk area, which lets you know that, you know, if you like Pops, guess what? If GCW grows, they'll be able to facilitate it, yep. a larger of fans amount of fans there. <clears throat> um, this venue was just it has the neon lights and everything and like i said it just had that mall feeling to it and i like it i'm an 80s kid so it works out Sogget, i wanted to talk a little bit about this because we've spoken about it a little bit before but we do have new listeners so Sogget is how it said and it has a total population of 141 people now what in the hell so here's what's going on it's primarily an industrial area so when GCW arrives that night, the population of Sage multiplies <laughs> many times over. But it's just over the river from St. Louis. And what we're doing here is we're kind of skirting more of the restrictive rules from the state of Missouri. Missouri has a bunch of rules and protocols and fees set in place that just make it very difficult for a wrestling company to operate in that, uh, in that state without without losing money it's just going to be a money loser i mean every performer has to go through some physical tests and the system is so archaic that when doctors look at it they kind of laugh because a couple of the questions are not considered by the modern medical community as valid fitness questions it's really interesting like can this person do this many pull-ups it's 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 not really a valid fitness question where Will this person, you know, can this person get in this kind of a test on their heart or whatnot? Like, it goes way too damn far. It's way too expensive. And it's a hell of a lot easier for the state of Missouri to just lose their money. And GCW is just across the, the river a little bit. And, yeah, this is this is an awesome-ass place. Uh, okay, you talked about Emil. This is the last thing I'm going to say before this, you know, show kicks off here. Okay, Emma looked like fucking Buzz Lightyear, and I thought it was funny, <laughs> and I liked it, and it was cool, and I don't think he was shooting for Buzz Lightyear, but it just came out that way, bro. So I'm just letting you know. It's the, it ML- good. It's the MLJ drip over there. I like how he wears uh, some of these crazy wrestling shirts. Like, the whenever he wears, like, the old school, like, the 90, like, one of the first Royal Rumble shirts and that old logo. I love seeing that, like, the Razor Ramon shirts and stuff like that. I love, oh, hell yeah. That's kind of, like, always when I see Emil, like, okay, what is he wearing? Cool. And then, all right, what's he going to say? Is he going to say he's in Pops Nightclub? Is he going to say he's in Sage? Is he going to say, I'm outside? I love hearing how he mm-hmm. kind of mixes it up now and stuff like that. And that's why I... I 
MLJ is one of the greatest just for that and his energy. Like I, I talked to him like real briefly before one of the shows in LA and I was like, dude, your energy just kind of gets the crowd going. He's like, no, your energy does. I'm like, obviously it goes back and forth, but you are the one who sets the tone for us to kind of get excited to get the night started and see all the action. So right. I, right. I love MLJ for all that. Everything like, once again, I think authenticity is going to be my word for the day. Uh, how he's authentic with his love for wrestling, his passion for it. And he doesn't need to be perfect all the time. He just wants to, like, he's enjoying it. He's like, he wants to say Nick Gage's entrance. He wants to make sure everybody knows how important Starboy is and stuff like that. I love his enthusiasm with everything. And that will lead us into uh, GCW's Wasted Time from Pop's Nightclub in Shazé. Uh yeah, sausage, Illinois. Ooh, I, I'm going it. I always think of it. sausage. My fat ass thinks it's sausage. I need to start thinking like that so that way I could get the name right. Um, yeah, oh, like, real if fast. You go yeah. eat fancy sausage. Yes, like, sausage. I'm going to sausage. I'm going to start saying that now. I'm definitely going to start saying that. Uh, real fast before we start, I just want to get this out of the way because I don't. It's kind of bugging me. I don't know how my mic sounds, but I had to get a try a new mic out. It might sound a little different, so. If it is that bad, please leave feedback. Uh, if it sounds all right, leave feedback as well. And if it does sound too bad, I apologize. But this is kind of what we had to work with uh, today after last night we were going to record. So I just want to throw that out there and apologize if it does sound real bad because I know it sounds different. For our all good, brother. Yeah, we'll see. We'll get through it. <laughs> For our first matchup of the evening, we have Star Boy Charlie going one-on-one with Jack cartwheel and this is a stylistic matchup i am all in for and i was very interested to see if anybody would kind of work as a heel or not or if they're going to stay in their natural baby face ways because jack cartwheel is always a baby face with his cartwheels his excitement and his moveset and same thing with Starboy. boy everyone always loves him no matter where he goes so i was wondering if uh somebody would play the heel role in this match or not. And I did get my answer throughout this match. And uh, this match did not disappoint. I think it's a great opener because it has, I don't want to say like you're still your first point, but I love seeing the young talent kind of go against each other mm-hmm. instead of, mm-hmm. and see what they could do of instead of always working with a veteran and stuff like that. And these two, I was like very interested to see, okay, how's this match going to gel? Because they're both still kind of quote unquote younger talents. And, I wanted to see how the well they would mesh the match, put the match together, and how they would mesh well with their uh, style, styles and everything. And I thought this was a pretty fun opener. Like it wasn't fantastic, but it was a nice, solid, energetic to get the crowd going opener. And that's what these opening matches in GCW tends to do. What was your thoughts on this match? So a lot of times we hear how the younger kids and the next generation, they need to slow it down a little, understandable, but they don't know how to wrestle or they don't know how to tell a story. And in this match, there was real wrestling going on. I think that this was, if there wasn't one or two where they were really featuring it, this would have probably been the most wrestling that would have went on in one of the, you know, in the GCW matches of the night there. Um, the ref called for the bell to start the match, and I didn't hear a bell. Did you hear a bell, dude? I think it came late, but I'm not sure. I remember that they kind of <laughs> stood. I think they stood around for a little bit, and then, of course, I think Dave Prezak mentioned, like, ring that damn bell. Well, of course, we don't have a bell. And then it came on, and they're like, there it is. So, yeah, typical GCW. 
<laughs> and, and you're right when it comes to the younger they were smaller younger faster and they're both growing as single competitors and it was nice to see that gcw believed in them enough to have them open the show because i think it was a fantastic decision cartwheel actually plays a better heel than i thought yep. he had great technical work in spots and he has i have to mention it because he has this fantastic over the top rope elbow drop yeah it's like a spinning and just he hits it so clean every time too. Like he just hits it so smooth when he goes in the air. It looks it looks awesome. Oh yeah. Um uh, fans were mostly behind Starboy in this one. It was it was very obvious at times that that was the way it was going to be. And I wanted to talk to you about this just for a second. To me Cartwheel is giving me Ninja Mac vibes. I could see where those two they kind of have similar builds. They have similar size and heights. I could see possibly something. I'll tell you what. I know this sounds stupid, but they could take Cartwheel and stick him under Ninja Max, Ninja Max shit, and you know, Cartwheel Ninja. He learns his shit. Oh yeah, Cartwheel <laughs> Ninja. Put him as a team together. It'd be fantastic. Well, it's funny too. You said like earlier, like how with the younger stars, you they are like they need to slow it down. Like that's mm-hmm. what they're kind of always told, and that's what I've always felt with Ninja Mac and Jack Cartwheel. I think like Jack Cartwheel specifically kind of just is going a thousand miles a mo like a minute and his I think he does get ahead of himself with his body language like not body language but body positioning and stuff like that with some of these maneuvers. But now like since he's kind of been back without without the football, you could see he's kind of cleaned that up and crisp and that's what I think Ninja Mac was the same way. He would just kind of be pushing all these high flying maneuvers out of the ring and in the ring where he would just go a thousand miles an hour. And there that kind of tends for more of mess ups to happen. And I think Jack Cartwell has done a fantastic job of slowing it down when needed to, to avoid those mess ups. And same thing with Ninja Mac. And I think once Ninja Mac cleaned that up, I think that's what propelled him over to Noah. And he's been killing it ever since in Noah and out here, I see a lot more smooth, cleaner wrestling from Ninja Mac as I saw in Jack Hartwell in this match as well. And the other thing I wanted to mention here was how Starboy has that Eddie Guerrero build with that upper body that's just just hulked out. Like, I mean, it's just bulky. And again, that's because his parents, he has that boxing background in his genetics. And it really does show. And he threw fantastic punches this match. That was my one kind of big note I took. I loved the punches that Starboy threw in this match, especially like when he was going after Jack at the to body shots. You saw he was like not throwing one of these wrestling slaps or wrestling punches. He was throwing boxing punches, and I loved seeing it because it looked a lot better and more realistic than a lot of these wrestlers we see throw punches. Okay, so here's my wrap up on this one because I'll kind of give it out, give it up here, and then hand it right back to you. No weapons, no blood. There was no need to fight outside of the ring for long periods of time. They told a good story. I think both should be very proud. This was not what I'd consider a Hall of Fame fantastic match. It was just well above expectations. And you and I both watched them all throughout the last year or two. This was above the expectations of two people who watched them all the time. If you like Starboy Charlie or Jack Cartwheel, this is definitely a match you're going to want to go and see. Because it's going to be the best of at least one of them, if not both. Look, they look fantastic. I yeah, I have the exact same feelings on this match. It wasn't great. It wasn't a five star match, but it was definitely well above expectations, and I was very nice seeing them both step up to the plate and deliver a fantastic opening match. Like 
set the pace for them. It wasn't one of those five stars, but it was good enough to get the crowd going and to start off the night and show what kind of energy they're going to bring for the rest of the night. And uh, Starboy, Star, Starboy Charlie does pick up the victory with a crossface, which was kind of nice seeing him use a submission move mm-hmm. for a victory. And um, I think this was the first time, too, I heard his... Uh, Oh, of course, right when I'm about to say it, I totally forgot the name. Maybe you can remember. When he does like that uh, middle rope Phoenix Splash, they called it something. I I cannot remember now what they called it, but it was like perfect for his character. Oh, great. You remember? Yeah, I totally Good forgot. I'll, I'll go back to it. But I loved how they kind of gave it a name, and I was like, oh, that name fits perfectly. And I had it in my mind right when I was about to say it. I totally forgot it. So, but No, that's fine. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic performance from Starboy Charlie and Jack Cartwheel to set the tone for the night. And we have our second matchup of the evening is a tag team match. And boy, oh boy, this was a team I did not know I needed or wanted to see. But wow, I want to see more of it. Axton Ray and Shane Mercer going against the team of the Bang Bros, Austin Matthews and Davey Bang and... I, I'm just going to get my review here. Give me more of Axon Ray and Shane Mercer with their creat- creativity, their strength, their agility, everything that they have complimented each, complimented each other so well during this match. And I want to see this tag team more and more and more because it was fantastic to see how well they work together with each other's moves and putting on moves that I've never kind of like not seen before, but like wouldn't expect them to do that i should have expected them to do okay so i've been talking about it for the longest time but when this show had aired live i was on vacation i was over there giving mickey mouse his money <laughs> he is a heck of a lot richer and i'm a poor, <laughs> but everyone's happy and that's what matters we actually had a fantastic time it was um my wife and i's anniversary oh nice birthday plus Christmas. So what happened was COVID kind of messed this up a little bit on some Disney stuff. So we were able to celebrate. It just so happened that so many things were coming up at one time. We like to hell with it. This trip is doing all of that. All in one. Yeah. So we tried to have triple the fun since we were doing triple the, you know, celebrations and whatnot. But so I, I will let you know that I'm checking Twitter off and on, you know, once, once I have a chance to hit the bathroom or whatever, go to the lockers and wait in the three hour line to sit down. (laughs) The wife's like the wife's, um, you know, doing a little shopping and the kids going out and he's hitting some, uh, some extra rides with the family and it's towards the end of the night and I'm tired. Well, hell I'm sitting down. So I'll sit there and check Twitter. And I noticed before I had a chance to review this, like Twitter was blowing up with this Axton and Mercer team. I mean, I was seeing stuff everywhere about these two. They look good coming out. Both are incredibly talented and athletic. Uh, just for fun, Road Warriors. Like a Road Warrior vibe with their... If Axton stays with it and Shane stays with it, and we need more of Axton, um, confidence. Keep that confidence coming out. If these guys come out and just thump the shit out of guys, then they need the confidence of two performers who can just thump the shit out of guys so i don't know why but i wrote down just for fun maybe uh give them football pads for one (laughs) halloween or something but yeah this this team of these two they look fantastic together and i hope they stay that way i don't know if a light bulb went off somewhere maybe they get along because they're both country boys i don't know but i think it's fantastic i tweeted out this might be the best thing that ever came out of brett's mind uh 
for GCW. Like I, as we talked about Ooh, tag going teams, that far, huh? I lo- I loved it because there was a team we were talking about tag teams the other uh, uh, episode, and we were kind of like we were deciding what teams would kind of fit in with. Uh, and where they would go, like what programs and stuff like that, or what mm-hmm. promotions. But I think we talked, we've kind of fantasy booked tag teams before, like Alec Price with Jordan Oliver and stuff like that. But never did it, did these two ever come across our minds as putting them together. And holy shit, like I wonder what Brett did, like what made him put these two together? Because I just love how Action Ray is so much more agile than he comes across. Same thing with Shane Mercer. Shane Mercer's strength is something obviously that we always talk about, but same thing with Axon Ray. Surprisingly, super strong and powerful as well. And both t- both uh, both competitors absolutely have a creative uh, move set, and that's why I always brag about these two of having fantastic move sets and how well they mesh together between Shane Mercer throwing him, throwing uh, one of the Bang Bros at Axon Ray, Axon Ray catching it, throwing back at Shane Mercer. I just loved how they gelled together as a team and made everything look like they maybe have been a tag team before. And I just love the creativeness of these two. And I, yeah, I was stunned. And like, I right away, I said like, this is the best thing that Brett has ever put together other than GCW, obviously, but I loved it. Well, the bang bros, they were being heels in this and it was apparent. I think they did a good job, especially since they're younger. It's not really easy to be a, a young heel it's hard to draw heat when you're known for being you know kind of a face tag team so before mercer was even tagged in he was already pointing into spots in the crowd where he was gonna throw a random bang bro and <laughs> that was fantastic it's like the babe ruth yeah I'm gonna go <laughs> over here. there I'm gonna go here. throw his ass over there i love when he does that with marco stunt too because like everybody's like yeah. 10 rows back they're like here we want him and like yeah he might give him 10 rows back who knows <laughs> and um axon and mercer they worked on moves together that's what it looked like it looks like these two have put some work in there somewhere and again this may have just this may have been their debut in a way that they planned this and, and this may be something more major that we're looking at here that I pray like to God. I'm stuff. praying to God. It is like, I, this feels like it's a lightning in the bottle, bottle moment. Like how they fell into, not fell into Cole Radjic, but when Cole Radjic stepped up to do that death match and how fast that crowd got behind him and stuck yeah. with them. That's how I felt watching this. I'm like, this is one of these lightning in a bottle moments where, holy shit, they just kind of gave us a little tease of what they could do. But if you give them more time to gel and get that chemistry, I think they have a fantastic fucking tag team on their hands that they just kind of fell into. And I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, I'm the same. I'm absolutely the same. I think that we have something good here and I hope we stick with it. I'm a big fan of that bulkier type team. I'm a big fan of those Haas type, you know? Yeah. And here we have a tag team that can come out and just throw ass everywhere around the ring. And I want to see what that looks like up against SGC. I want to see what oh that my looks God. like up against Los Macisos. Yes, that was the one team I really went to, obviously. I was like, right. Los Macisos. Because if these guys, which I already know Mercer is, but if these these guys are both willing to bleed, then we may have a new tag team in GCW that will be able to stay the course. Because it's nice to have tag teams, but if you can't go hardcore every now and then, you're, you're not going to float in GCW that well. I mean, even Bussy. Bussy went hardcore as fuck. Yeah, I would like to see them kind of do what they did tonight. 
work together with a local tag team that's a, an established tag team that's a well-known name in whatever uh not territory whatever city or yeah i guess territory that they're in i would love to see them work with those tag teams and kind of mesh well and gel and kind of do like a little slow burn with it and keep on building it to see different moves and everything like that before they start getting into like gcw tag teams i think it'd be an awesome way it'd be like a different way of a squash match like mm-hmm. hey like we kind of know if davy uh not davy if axon ray and shane mercer are together going against one of these local teams we could kind of assume that a gcw team is going to win but i think it'll be a great opportunity them to for them to maybe even kind of learn some of this tag team chemistry from the local talent that's the tag team that they're going against and kind of see and learn how the tag team wrestling kind of works with teams that have been together for so long because i just think right now just off of the like four moves that they did together if they start building a chemistry slowly i would i i i'm all for this tag team this was probably one of the highlights of my night just seeing this team because i was like yeah i didn't think about it but i definitely want more of it and again if they turn up axton ray just a little bit more they're going to have the aggression that the gcw fans have maybe wanted out of a tag team and I like they could kind of be a silent tag team too, like one of these silent assassin tag teams that just oh, come yeah. in, wreck shit, don't have to say nothing, and leave. But we'd also see like Axon Ray has some charisma if he wants to be a little face with the little promos. And same thing, I think Mercer kind of just always kind of comes off as a face just because he's so strong, powerful, and creative with his moves. I just think it's kind of hard to root against him. But I could absolutely see them being like little silent, kind of silent assassins, get in, wreck mm-hmm. shit, leave. And that's it. Call it a day. I think they can go a lot of different ways if they continue to use these two as a tag team. Oh, I'd love to manage these guys. Like that'd be yeah. so cool to talk to talk shit for these guys because you'll, they back every damn thing up. You'll get some practice in here. I want to see you on a GCW oh, here show. <laughs> oh my gosh, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, yeah, watch me fall on my face on that ramp live. Uh, <laughs> so the Bang Bros had this move. It was like a rolling move where they uh, yeah. each other. It's fantastic to me. It's fantastic. Commentary yelled the name and I couldn't get it. I don't know if you know it, dude. And I, I feel <laughs> like it. you don't like it, huh? No, I, I totally missed oh, okay. it. I was trying to remember it, but yeah, I can't remember it. But just to describe it for those of you out there, it's what uh, I, and honestly, I can't remember which, who's who I wasn't paying attention fully. I was just so stunned by watching them as a tag team. But one of the bang bros, like, kind of goes into the corner. The other one gets, like, he gets onto, the his teammate shoulders like it's going to be an electric chair drop and then they kind of spin they the guy on top rolls through into like a uh a victory roll-up kind of thing but that ends up propelling that competitor into a spear into the opponents and it just yeah it, just, it looks fucking Crazy. awesome i've seen it i saw them when they did it last time i was like that is one of the best tag team moves i've seen and i was like mm-hmm. that's it i like the i like the, the bang bro just off of that move alone because i think they did very well in this match too of being kind of just bodies to throw around but whenever they get were given their time to shine i think they did an awesome job of shining like i i just love how they gel together as a tag team as well you know um oliver had a special spot in this show tonight but oliver and wayne if wayne could have made it okay by the way before i forget nick wayne isn't on this show because he was snowed out in seattle so uh i just want to mention that ahead of time but if we could have had that nick wayne jordan oliver team it would have been great to see them against the bang bros yeah, that would be a great, ma- uh, great clash of styles there, too. And we will but, go... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, I do like this new tag team of Axe and Rain, Shane Mercer, though. Big boys throwing muscle. 
Um, yeah, call me Vince. It's my thing, dude. Well, I even wrote it down. Call me Vince because people are going to give me shit for it. But I love watching big boys throw people around. Well, until August, I didn't think he liked tag teams, but uh, some information came out where I guess he does like like tag teams. Anyway, well, our uh, winners of this match is Axon Ray and Shane Mercer. As uh, I think Axon Ray was on sitting on top oh, of the top killer. rope. Yeah. End up holding one of the bang bros up for, for Shane Mercer to kind of climb up, grab him, and then hit the moonsault and battery on. Oh, it was Davey Bang. That's who it was. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I like how Axon Ray is like, really? You tried this move on me? He's just holding him like a little baby. Like, come on, Shane. Come get your child. And Shane's like, okay. <laughs> and then just tosses him. I, I loved it. I loved it. This was one of the highlights of the night for me because it was just incredible to watch. I want to see what they could do given some time to build a chemistry. And if anybody listens or uh, like listens to this and has a chance to say something to Axton, get this message to him. Dude, show more attitude and... um and aggression because we fucking love you and i think we're getting to see you finally come out as a performer and i don't know how it's how it's happening but this tag team thing is working for both him and shane and yeah man i I don't know why if i feel like this just elevated both of them and i don't know how it works and i think it's so like i think it'd be perfect for them because the obviously not the singles or not that they have their own roster and division, but like all the matches, it kind of seems like sometimes, Hey, Axon Ray can't be put on the show because we brought in this singles competitor. Same thing with Mercer. Hey, we want to use you, but Hey, we got other people. So we're not going to use you. So I think it's a great way to put them together as a tag team, get them working. I think it's a shot of fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air to give these two a shot in the tag division because the tag division kind of just seems like it's Los Macisos, SGC, Team Bussy, and like the normal four that we kind of always see go against each other. And I, I would really like them to kind of not right now, but do the slow burn. Let's see them kind of fully form into a well cohesive unit and start putting them up against the Macisos, SGC, and all that stuff because. I just think it'd be a great way to showcase their talent because I think they are good enough to be on almost every show that GCW has and be one of these quote-unquote GCW regulars we always talk about. That will lead us into our third matchup of the evening as Sawyer Wreck goes against Madman Pondo. And I was waiting for and I, I don't mean this in the derogatory way but i was waiting for a train wreck i was just ready to see a bunch of violence <laughs> a bunch of stuff that didn't make sense but was very punishing to each other and that's pretty much what i got and i was satisfied with this match uh nice seeing madman pondo back nice seeing mm-hmm. sawyer wreck kind of step up and once again go against another legend to kind of cement her status with the gcw roster especially in the death match uh Kind of not division, but in the deathmatch setting with a, a legend like Madman Pondo. And it was kind of nice seeing Madman Pondo work a style that he did with Sawyer Wreck that kind of helped her, I think, elevate her not to another status, but helped continue her elevation and rise in GCW. And I kind of like how they are building her up. Like, at first I thought it was too fast. Then she kind of did slow down a little bit. But now they're trying to build her back up. And I think it's perfect because she did very good at TOS. Same with Hunter Freeman and Alex Cologne. So I am liking what they're doing now, building Sawyer Wreck kind of back up and kind of getting that momentum behind her again because she's been doing better than what I thought she was doing when she was getting the original push. But now she's kind of solidified her status to me to 
She's earned it. Keep it going. And the crowd obviously loves seeing it. Well, I foresaw your wreck being able to perform with Madman Pondo. It's like a feather in the cap, you know, and we were fortunate enough to be able to see these two work together. Pondo was large and in charge out there and putting over Sawyer. No kidding. He was out there pointing at her. Hey, guys, come on. You know, look who's out here tonight. And, and I love that about him. It's that soft side of the tough man when we see that. It's same thing with Tremont when he kind of cares more about how the fans react and giving respect to the other performer. That's uh, that's that dramatic that I really like. And Pondo has that, that old school in him that still appreciates a sing-along if one breaks out, but at the same time, he'll slice your head with his uh, his uh, baseball bat. So um, we needed that Taipei death match on this show. The one that we had earlier from the other show, we have ECW originals in attendance. This could have been the show where we had that Taipei death match. We could have considered it an ECW tribute. I'm really surprised we didn't, if you think about it. I, 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 the only reason I think they did it is just because it was so soon after John Wayne Murdoch and Mance Warner. I think they didn't want to kind of oversaturate that same same time death mess but i agree with you they i think have, this yeah, would have been a better one than that show. one yeah yeah i think that this would have been a better thing for it other than that show but also i think that's what made that show so great was that match so it's kind of kind of oh, a tough okay. one there but i think yeah I th- I that it. would be I my opinion you. yeah um both were both started off this match by sitting in chairs across from each other and exchanging punches pondo said he wanted to test her toughness and after the first punch, he turned to the crowd and goes, yeah, <laughs> she's got it. Love And you. of course, the crowd's cheering. Everybody's, everybody's having a great time. We're getting Sawyer chance. So here we go with our play-by-play because this is a hardcore match. Minute two, we have a chair shot on Pondo. There's fighting outside the ring. Sawyer gets thrown into a trash can. Minute three, Sawyer punt kicks Pondo's own baseball blade uh, into Pondo's own head. Minute four, chair to the nuts. Pondo's bleeding, which Pondo, <laughs> he's a great bleeder. Surprised it took um, that long. Well, that's what I was saying. I really thought he was going to bleed on the handshake. <laughs> Getting sliced on all sides of the ring. Minute five, over here, fuck that side chance. So we would hear people going, over here, over here. And then you hear fans from the other side going, fuck that side, fuck that. Loved it. Uh, minute six, they were stapling dollar bills on each other's foreheads. Minute seven, fans were handing money to Sawyer, and Pondo staples a dollar bill to Sawyer's old hoo-ha, and and one on the ass, just for good measure. I, I love Pondo. It's fantastic. Okay, so minute eight, Pondo, I think he stole Allie's knife, because right around minute eight, he pulls out that knife, and he starts cutting Sawyer with it. And then he starts taking Sawyer to every side of the ring, starts cutting her. And the fans just absolutely love it. So then minute nine, um, Pondo has a saw blade and he runs it up Sawyer's butt crack. And we get asshole chance, which is kind of funny. Yeah, that was a good one. And of course, you hear Pondo yell, you haven't seen an asshole yet. And then he hits Sawyer with the stop sign at minute 10. Sawyer is choked with the edge of the stop sign, but then it turns around when our winner ends up being Sawyer Wreck. She takes a used tampon and puts it in Pondo's mouth and choke slammed him. Uh, I'd be dead too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the end of this, though, both hug and leave. I love happy endings. 
everybody won. I think that Pondo was able to say he fought a future a future um, Sawyer Wreck, who may be a champion one day, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised at, with this trajectory. I believe that Sawyer Wreck gets to say that she got to go up there with Madman Pondo, and I think the fans can definitely be happy that we were able to see that on GCW TV. Yeah, I, I'll be honest right here, like... I don't know much of Madman Pondo. I know of his name. I know he's a legend in the deathmatch scene. I just oh, haven't really? seen. I haven't seen much of him. I didn't ever oh, get into deathmatch until GCW, to be honest with you. So there's a like a lot of the deathmatch history I need to brush up on and learn and watch and just kind of consume it and stuff. Ooh, you are in for some good shit, my friend. And because of that, I oh. kind of had not a negative like reaction every time i hear pondo but like i'm just like okay he's one of these legends that's just gonna come in for the paycheck bleed not gonna bump not gonna do any of these things to put the other opponent over he's just there selfishly for himself and that's on me that's absolutely on me because i don't know him and that's what i'm like i think i saw him at planet death was the last time i saw him i think um like really in like one of these matches and i just like i was like i I get it, like the legend, and we got to give him his flowers and let him right, get right. get his moments and matches. But I, I never really got it, and I didn't fully like Madman Ponder just because of all my assumptions that I made on it. This match, uh-huh. yes, everything you said, I loved how he put Sawyer Wreck, like saying, "Hey, no, you guys see who I'm in here with? She's the next big uh-huh. thing, and we're going to have a battle here." I loved how he put gave, uh, gave her the respect. Put her over. I loved how he took a lot of her her moves and made her look good. And I loved how he had fun with it all. Like, I have a new outlook on Man Man Pondo. This match made me a fan of his to go back and check out what he really is about instead of me just assuming what he was about. And I I loved it. I loved seeing Man Man Pondo like this. And after seeing this, I wouldn't mind seeing him again because he did what I kind of always like to see these legends do of, not just come in and collect a paycheck and say, oh, I bleed and thank you guys for cheering me. Like he put in the work here. He did awesome stuff. And I like as I saw this match, I'm like, oh, shit, man, I was wrong. I'm mad, man. I I had the wrong opinion. I really enjoy what he's doing. I could appreciate what he's doing. And I have a lot of respect for him showing a lot of respect and giving, as we said, putting over so you wreck in this situation. And I I am now a Madman Pondo fan and. I kind of going back talking about the old GCW and I just said the FMW. I don't know if he was on that and stuff like that, but seeing him kind of go do all that stuff, I now want to go back and check him out and kind of learn more about what made him a legend and stuff like that, other than just kind of knowing of it. So definitely mad props to Madman for this match. And I am now a fan of his and I take back everything I thought of about him because he showed me that I was wrong and I loved seeing it. This was a fun, entertaining match because I was kind of scared going into this match. Kind of like I said, a train wreck of just uh-huh. saying, okay, so your wreck's going to do like, it's going to be a five minute match and not do everything that they did. And I, I loved it. I liked it. This was fun. Okay. So you had me like licking my chest okay. on the Madman Pondo thing. Okay, so let me try to put this together, like, in a package where it's kind of easy. He is kind of almost like a cousin raised up right beside Nick Gage when it comes to deathmatch style, deathmatch longevity. Uh, What he's done is absolutely fantastic. Again, he has the heart to put over the younger talent, which is another reason why they bring him in. 
very easy to bleed. He's damn good. He knows how to do it. You can see it. I don't know if you ever watched one of his matches where he actually, you can catch him kind of doing I, I caught it here he's when he did. Oh, so easy, man. He's yeah. Once Sawyer Rick kind of put that, uh, whatever that baseball bat is that with the spikes. Um, yeah, once he put that, yeah. once she put that on him in the corner and she did the boot scrape onto that, I saw him, yeah, yeah like stabbing himself. But like you said, he's the easy bleeder. That's what I kind of known of him. That's why I just, I jumped to conclusions like, okay, he's going to bleed. He's going to just do a right, five right, minute right. match and get in and out. And yeah, I coasting on his career exactly 20 years ago. Oh, yep. but yeah, this guy. Okay, you didn't see it here, and you haven't seen it yet, possibly. Maybe I'll have to show you or tell you of a match down the road. But this guy, even now, is tough as fuck. The only thing that's stopping him would be any physical limitation, like someone who would be at his age, 53. So you look at that. And um, otherwise, though, this guy was just nonstop violence. I, uh, I have something in front of me. I'll tell you some interesting things. Maybe this will let you know a little more. Okay, so he started roughly in, I want to say around 2000. Oh, gosh, no. I would say he started around 89, but he was doing really, really, really early shit a long time ago. Okay, so here's what, what you can see him in if you ever wanted to. You, you can see him in IWA Mid-South. That's where he primarily started. CZW. Big Japan Pro Wrestling and Juggalo, uh, Juggalo Championship Wrestling, which you can actually see him still over there. But check this out. I'm going to read this directly right from uh, Wikipedia because I think it's really cool. In his professional wrestling career, uh, Pondo is a five-time heavyweight champion, having won the IWA Mid-South Championship once, the JCW Heavyweight Championship twice, and the XCW Oh, no, the XCW Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship once and the MPW Heavyweight Championship once. In addition to these championships, he's won the CZW Ironman Championship, the IWA Mid-South Hardcore Championship twice, the IWA Mid-South Tag Team Champions once with Ian Rotten, the JCW Tag Team Champion twice with Necro Butcher. He is also the 2003 IWA South King of the Deathmatch Tournament winner and the 2006 IWA Mid-South Double Death Tag Team Tournament winner. With Jesus. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, too dude, tough that's Tony. That makes did. sense now. That's what he did before 2006. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. Then, then we have 07 to 23. Yeah. He, like, he's a worker, dude. I'm going to check him out. I have respect to him. I definitely do now, too. CZW, you'll love him. You'll love him. Nice. I definitely I'm going to go check him out and learn everything that I uh, disrespected him on in my head. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I we went deep nerd tonight. Normally, we don't go this deep, but tonight... I'm learning. You're teaching me a lot of stuff. Like, I didn't know, like, the biggest crowd ECW has was 6,000. Like, I kind of always just assumed maybe more just because of the arenas that they were going in, but I just, I don't... They look a lot bigger than what they actually were, so hearing that number is like, oh, okay, it's not as big as I thought it was, but it's still pretty damn impressive for being a third or fourth company at that time to get that kind of crowd. And I've just always pictured, like... Wow, GCW gets six thousand. Like, where are they going to have that show? What's that show going to look like and stuff? So, yeah, yeah I've definitely yeah. learned a lot of stuff tonight, and definitely have a lot more to check out and learn about. I was laughing that there was somebody yelling to park at the dentist office when it comes to parking at Pops. I don't know if you heard. I think it was Emil was saying something about that. I th- so, I, I think I, I heard the comment. Pops. I didn't get it though. 
Yeah, so I think it's Pops, and there's also another arena. It's kind of funny because people get in trouble all the time for parking on a dentist's uh, parking lot because <laughs> it's just a little place, and there's no designated parking. So the fans park on the side of the street and wherever else they can get in, and um, that's where that comes from. Okay. If you ever hear them mention the dentist parking or park by the dentist, that is basically a callback to that. Okay. I can't remember the arena off the top of my head, but it's one of the arenas that was in John Wayne Murdoch's documentary. It's one of the ones that he goes to that they talk about. It's a real shithole, but it's famous. Is it the Jeffersonville one that they were at the next night? Because I think I remember that day someone like kind of like, hey, you need don't park here because your car is going to get like broken into yes. and stolen stuff. You got to park over here where it's nice and safe and you're able to park and not have to worry about getting towed. I wonder if that's what you're talking about, the Jeffersonville arena. I could be wrong, but I thought that's what I saw. Yeah. Like around that same day on Twitter, I remember seeing like a little thread or a lot of uh, tweets going around about that kind of stuff, kind of joking about how small the venue was and kind of where to park safely and stuff like that. That's funny. I just I had to mention it though. This was this was a cool match. Um, Pondo for me. Anytime I get a chance to see Pondo is cool. Um, yeah, he's in he's in that Nick Gage arena. I mean, Nick Gage has this thing around him because he's done definitely some unique things that are above and beyond what most wrestlers do but yeah i I put pondo in there and it's just i'm pretty sure this is a guy that even matt tremont looks up to he's he's in that atmosphere where the wrestler the deathmatch wrestlers deathmatch wrestler and see that's why in that category i think that's why i kind of like tremont because like i said it's cool seeing like these legends give the respect put over still go out there and work and not just collect and check not saying that tremont ever did but like hearing of his past like i never really knew of him until like i'd seen him a little bit when i was watching a little bit of the czw and stuff like that but i wasn't really watching for like the deathmatch stuff at that time i was i was really watching shane strickland to be honest like that was my my guy in czw him and adam cole like they were my guys they were uh-huh. when i when i watched czw at that time i was watching for those people specifically not all this other crazy stuff because back then i wasn't into independent wrestling but i knew of those two names because they're like stupid like yeah <laughs> stupid computer games like that had like the ewr and the total extreme warfare stuff like the little text wrestling games that you can create your own pro- yeah, uh, yeah. promotions those were the guys i kind of use and i found that they were in czw and would check them out but i didn't know of any of like this history and stuff that's another company like i, I we talked about offline before like i am definitely going to go back and learn a lot more of that history just to kind of catch up on what kind of crosses over with GCW and their storylines nowadays when they use some of the same competitors that they were using back then. Yeah. If you can look into IWA mid South and then you look at CZW, those two companies will cover, I would say 90 plus percent of the deathmatch wrestlers that came through in about a 20 year span. Wow. Yeah. So, I definitely if you really wanted out. to catch up. Yeah. That's where you're going to want to catch up. And then when it comes to the Japanese stuff, We'll cover that when we get to it, but you're going to have a lot of American material to go through. There's so much good stuff that happened from like ECW and onward has just been fantastic. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to be watching wrestling for the rest of my life. It sounds like, and that's all well and dandy with me. (laughs) For our fourth matchup of the evening, we have a title match as the GCW tag team titles will be defended in a three-way match. The first team is the champions, Los Macisos, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo. 
defending the titles against Team ECW of Two Cold Scorpio and the Sandman, kind of, and going against SGC of Mance Warner and Matthew Justice. And when I first saw this match, I was super excited to see all the craziness and chaos. I was going to, as we talked about ECW earlier, I was hoping for an ECW style match. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in my eyes, this match kind of did disappoint because of, uh, I hate to say it, the Sandman, as he really didn't perform too much during this match. Two Cold Scorpio, like, I felt kind of bad for him. He's kind of like he was by himself <laughs> and trying to win the tag team title match with uh, the other two teams. Um, but Los Pistos mm. SGC kind of did save the match a little bit and kind of did their own little thing as they normally always do to kind of pop the crowd and cause a little chaos. And um, yeah, I don't know. I I thought this was a kind of an okay match just because of my expectations going into this match. Uh, what was your thoughts or expectations going into this match? So, you know, I was expecting to see an ECW original. I really didn't know how Sandman was going to be. Honestly, though, I did know that, you know, we've seen Scorpio so many times. We know what to expect. He's always a good time. And, you know, that's what I love about Scorpio, honestly. Uh, Masitos are always a welcome sight. I love the Lakers gear. I'm missing the cow outfits. Not going to (laughs) lie. Walk played. And I would have died if RVD came out. But of course, it wasn't RVD. It was the second gear crew, which I heard somebody called the second beer crew. But um, yeah, so now the reason why we're here is out first to Cold Scorpio. So the fight will happen before Sandman really comes out. We're getting a lot of Sandman chants. And SGC tries to team up on Scorpio, and he fights both of them. A ton of ECW chants still coming. And then all of a sudden we hear Enter Sandman begin to play. And we start to get Sandman chants because people obviously are ready to see this guy come out and freaking dominate. Um, So he finally comes out, going through the crowd, starts feeding people beer. That's his thing. It's fantastic. He went through probably seven, eight people just making sure that everybody... uh, is not thirsty. So he comes in with his cane in hand. He does his famous thing where he just starts caning the shit out of everyone. I saw that Emil was following Sandman with a six pack of beer to the ring. And he set a six pack down on the, uh, on the side of the ring there for him. Um, I'm going to let you take it over from there because you were talking about how the match kind of developed and, um, I just wanted to kind of mention that Sandman really wasn't in this a lot and they protected him. I don't know if that's what he was capable of that night, but when I look at him, he looked like he was having a great time. His skin tone, like everything about him told me that he was looking pretty damn healthy and pretty damn happy. So maybe he was just slightly limited, but he did very little. And you're right. I almost feel bad for Scorpio because poor Scorpio was out there holding the whole team together and for that, he did a damn good job. Not going to lie. Yeah, Scorpio definitely, he could still go, and he's proven it time and time again. Love and Scorpio. Yeah, I, he was one of my favorites as a kid when he was Flash Funk. <laughs> like, I remember Fuck playing yeah. the, the little WWE character when he's wearing all blue outfits and, like, putting him on the corner and doing the little front flip, uh, uh, front flip leg drop. I love seeing that. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm just... 
I'm going to, uh, once again, going back to my ignorance on Man Man Pondo, what Sandman did tonight is kind of what I thought Man Man Pondo would kind of do. My oh, ignorance gotcha. Okay. Just showing up, collecting your check, doing two moves and getting the hell out of there and not being a part of the finish and not really helping out anyone else in the match, kind of just showing up, doing your thing, and that's it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I kind of used to think Sandman... When I was watching him back in, like, the, even the reboot ECW, he was still very popular, obviously, but could still go mm-hmm. pretty pretty good. Not obviously intense and obviously without as many weapons and the ECW fuckery. Um, I thought he was looking pretty good in that little reboot. And to kind of see this, I, I'm, yeah, very disappointed. Like, at the end of the match, they kind of like, oh, we're going to run this back. I'm like... Please don't. Like, sorry, Scorpio. Oh, like, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It was that bad to you. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it was that bad to me. Like, when you just show yeah. up and your entrance is kind of longer than what you've done in the ring, I'm not all for that. I really enjoy the in-ring stuff and all that. I'm kind of glad we did get to at least see the Sandman entrance. I'm very happy that the crowd yeah. that probably paid their money to see this team of ECW, um, at least they got to experience the Sandman entrance and all that stuff. So that I'm kind of happy for, but... For hit, like the cane spots, I was like, okay, I could see him just kind of wrecking havoc and then kind of maybe doing a couple other moves. But he just hit everybody with the the kendo stick one time, took a a spear to the back that didn't even go through the door. I don't know whose fault that was. If Justice went too early, or maybe as you said, I originally thought maybe he did that on purpose to protect the Sandman from some sort of abdominal injury, but then I quickly thought, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if he spears him from the back or the front. It's going to hurt the same body parts pretty yes. much the same yeah. way. So, obviously, he didn't do that to kind of save him, but no, maybe he did. Humans, humans don't bend that way. That right. was an accident. Yeah. And that so, was an accident. The way he didn't go through the door, I'm not going to stress on that too much. It is what it is. Like some, It happens even when someone gets thrown into it as hard as they can. The damn table or door doesn't break. So I don't care too much about that. But then he just, the way he fell out too after taking that spear, I legit thought he was concussed or something. Because uh, the way he just kind of slumped in the corner and stayed there all match. I was like, is that going to go check on him? Like, is, like he's out. <laughs> like, I thought he was concussed at first. But then to see him kind of just stand back up out of nowhere I, I don't at the end of the match at the end of the match like so that's all he did he hit everybody with the cane one time did a got took a spear bounced off the door and just sat in the corner for the rest of the match and then stood up after the match and kind of danced with two cold which I kind of liked I haven't seen him kind of do the old man just closing his eyes and vibing and stuff I kinda, <laughs> like that part was fun to be kind of seeing him enjoy himself as you said he looked in great shape not great shape but in well enough shape to still perform. His spirits were high. Sometimes we've seen him kind of not in the right set of mind when we've seen him perform for G- uh, ECW and stuff like that. So I was kind of glad we got a clear-headed from what my perception was a clear-headed Sandman. I yeah. just wanted to see more of him, and I mm. didn't get that. And that kind of took the whole sales out of this match for me. And then on top of that, it being so short, it co- kind of quickly ended after that. So I – yeah, I – was disappointed in this match and I don't know like and I might be too like the fatigue of seeing Macisos and SGC mixed in with some other teams I, I really like how they kind of stepped out of the box and did team ECW I just would have wish I would have saw more team ECW instead of just team two cold Scorpio so um maybe I get you I get you maybe if they do run it back we'll see Sandman put on at least a, a good enough match to 
I don't know. I kind of felt like how I did with Nick Gage and Moxley earlier this year and in part two at uh, the Fight Club where it wasn't Nick Gage. So I'm going to kind of give the benefit of the doubt as I was wrong on that one where I thought maybe Nick Gage was done. He's proven me wrong. He's not done. Something happened that night. So I'm going to give Sandman a break here and hopefully we get to see him team up with Too Cold again and maybe run some sort of tag match like this back and see more of the Sandman and... I will leave a better taste in my mouth because I wasn't too thrilled with the way this match kind of played out with everything. But I think the the star of this match is too cold of still showing, hey, I could go. It doesn't matter what kind of match it is or what the situation is. I could still go and put on a great match. And I love seeing too cold Scorpio do that. Yeah, thank you to Scorpio on that end because, yeah, he he held that thing up like 90 percent. Oh, yeah. And again, even when. Even when the match was over, they were made waiting for Sandman to just get up. Yeah, exactly. And the whole thing, the whole thing, the only thing I'm looking at was um, when he was hit on his side. I'm thinking, oh, uh, maybe he wrenched his back or something like that. So otherwise, though, yeah, um, I'll be honest with you. The best thing here may have just been for for them to say, hey, uh, Sandman was injured or, you know, they have a backstage segment where Sandman gets the shit kicked out of him, right? Okay, and then someone has to stand in for Sandman and that's perfectly fine. Someone comes out with too cold and instead of seven minutes, these guys get a 13 minute match, 14 minute match. Let them go ahead, do their thing. And then the music hits five minutes, seven minutes in. Okay. Then he comes out there. He does a little cleaning house and then he walks around the side of the ring for who knows, however time. And then that's how he's in the match. I would play like cheerleader even too. That's primarily what we love about him is we love to cheer him. He would love to do the same for us. So I would have probably put him in that position because he would have looked more functional as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think this did him any, any good. Again, we don't know the situation. Exactly. Exactly. But like in my, like just off of my view of this match, I was like, I thought the same thing as you. Like, Hey, if that's the case, let Tuchel come out with a red, like pick another person that's in that area. Maybe give them a little rub, let them kind of have their shine during this match and, their little two minutes or whatever. And then like, even like not a local wrestler, but like one of the local indie more uh, like with a name value still to team up with two cool Scorpio or bring in somebody that you're not using. That's typically around on these GCW, uh, the, the shows and stuff like that and get them some action. And then have at the end, they're getting beat up by, I don't know, like let's say Mance Warner justice. Like they, they're not done with it. They're not happy with the result. They need to still, put some more people through doors and then boom, the lights go out. You hear the Sandman music. He comes out, saves the day. I'd have been fine with that, but for him to actually be kind of a part of this match and still perform in this match the way he did, I, that left a, left a bad taste in my, but it, it's, it is what it is. You're not going to hit home runs every time you swing. So um, like, like we said earlier, my expectations were not so high for, uh, like the Sawyer Wreck and Pondo, and it became better than I thought it was. Same thing with Starboy Charlie and Jack Hartwell. They exceeded my expectations, which is always a good thing. And hey, if one out of the six, seven, eight matches that are on this card don't meet my expectations, so be it. I can live with it and be just fine with it. But in the moment, I wasn't too happy watching it. So I think what could have happened here was, and, and I think this is really the best thing to do with any talent that comes in who's older and has a little bit of a restriction on him. Um, I would have taken now. I only say Mance Warner for right now, only because uh, 
he he really does need to have this fantastic push because I think he's great. But I'm trying to think of someone else because SGC was in this match, but I don't know. Let's just say man uh let's just say Mance then. Um I would have put him in there with two cold Scorpio. I would have had Scorpio and Mance put on ECW shirts. And then, like I said, at some point, I would have went ahead and brought out Sandman. He goes in. He does his shtick. He comes outside the ring. He's got the cane. He's posing. He's sitting there. He's putting freaking beer in fans' mouths in the front row. I mean, picture this. That's how it should have probably been in that case. But again, it's not my money, and it wasn't my night. Um, but that's what I would have said would have probably worked best. And with anybody with any restrictive work whatsoever, have them come in, do their shit, look, you know, roll out of the ring and then support the future talent or support in that fashion where they're almost giving a nod that, Hey, that motherfucker in the ring. Yeah. Look, Sandman loves him. Sandman really is in support of this guy. We need to really put our support behind this guy too. Yeah. Something like that I think would be better in this case because it was almost it wasn't a dead leg but it was damn near a dead leg and, and i and, kind of uh, okay, yeah no no i i think that was a good ending <laughs> for me <laughs> i kind of feel bad for like los macisos because it felt like this was sgc's kind of when this match was kind of playing out, i'm like okay like i know los macisos were really excited going into this match i remember like hey we used to watch gcw or ecw and now we get to kind of compete with the team ecw so i know they were posted on Twitter that they were excited. And I just felt like this was SGC's night to kind of interact with Sandman and Scorpio where Los Macisos didn't get to as much as they probably wanted to. And I thought at the end when they, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we announced the win or not. Los Macisos do, do pick up the victory with a quick little surprise sunset flip and roll up onto justice for the victory. But um, I was thinking like at the end, Tuchel, Scorpio, and Sandman are dancing, and then Wilson Ciso still have the belt, so that's where Tuchel's like, hey, let's run it back, just us two. And that's where I was like, oh, please, God, don't, after seeing what I saw. But I was like, okay, maybe this was SGC's turn to kind of have fun with some ECW re- uh, originals, and now, maybe now, next time, it will be Los Macisos to get a straight two-on-two two two tag match to go against Too Cold and Sandman and have let them have their time to shine with Team ECW and let them have their fun because I just felt like they were kind of on the outside where SGC was the one doing the most interaction with Team ECW. That will lead us into our fifth matchup of the evening. <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, it was- no, no, no. I just, I agree with you. I didn't have too much more to say in that one. Um, I wish we would have seen more. Yeah. That's all I am. Like you said, as we, yeah. we were wrong before. I've been wrong plenty of times already. So uh, maybe we will see a more healthier uh, Sandman come back and put on a little bit more better performance than what we kind of saw tonight. But I'm, I'm glad the crowd got to have that pop, got to experience the Sandman entrance and all that stuff. That's a, at least always a positive whenever you have Sandman on the card. At least you get the entrance because it's kind of a big shtick of his, obviously. I'm totally thankful um i just thought the the whole booking situation was weird and they booked it that way he was supposed to go through that table and just lay there so for whatever reason who knows maybe a hip was hurting or whatnot but uh yeah i said i was done talking (laughs) definitely hurting now (laughs) yeah yeah he's hurting a little bit now for sure so we have an intermission and then our fifth match comes in and it is a one-on-one match between a different boy, Jimmy Lloyd and Jake 
Lander. And it feels like it's been a minute since I've seen Jake Lander in a GCW ring, but it probably was like two weeks ago and all these shows kind of are uh, meshing together in my head and it feels so long ago. But I am kind of happy to see uh, Jake Lander back in a ring and going against Jimmy Lloyd. This was a little different matchup for him. So I was kind of wondering how they would play out. And this was an entertaining match, a good way to kind of ease the crowd back into after an intermission. Um, Lander got to kind of do his fun spots. Jimmy Lloyd was great at making Jake Lander look super impressive and stuff like that. So decent kind of comeback match um, for the rest of the night for match number five. Nothing too good, nothing horrible. So I thought it was a pretty decent match. What was your thoughts on this one? Okay, so I had to laugh a little bit because I don't know if they should have mentioned it or maybe if they should have talked further about it so that it would have been explained. But Emil had mentioned that Lander is the former heavyweight champion in his local promotion. And then I hear maybe a sentence or two later, he's billed at 155 pounds. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not heavyweight material. And my question is, what five either? No, well, build. Well, that's why I put the word build. Build at 155. So either they need to not mention that because that's kind of awkward if you think about it, you know, or they need to expand on it because maybe there's an interesting story there where he kicked the shit out of one guy one night and it was just right time, right place. And again, that might be a fantastic story. And let's be honest, if a guy that's built at 155 got the heavyweight championship for a while, I'd like to hear how he did it. Yeah, he's he's impressive in the ring. I kind of always kind of I always call him like mini mini Elgin. Kind of reminds me of a mini Mike Elgin. Uh, yeah, with his move set, his look, his demeanor, his size is obviously a little bit shorter. But I think he's actually he looks bigger than one fifty five in my opinion. He looks like he's maybe one eighty because of all the muscle mass and everything. But I I'm always impressed with him, and I I could see him. I don't know about being a heavyweight champion, as you said. Yeah. But depending on whatever promotion that might be. Like he might be the best of the group and I could see it because he is super talented and I enjoy watching him whenever I see him in the ring. I just, whenever I think of Jake Lander, I always think of the last year's Art of War games, um, uh, Paps Ribbon, whatever ladder match that they had and all the crazy shit that was happening that night. He was pretty impressive that night <laughs> in the ring and I Shane Mercer picking him up and tossing him, but he was like holding his own with power and strength with Shane Mercer. So mm-hmm. he is impressive. I, I definitely would like to see more of Jake Lander. Okay, so I'm going to hit you with this because this just came off the top of my head. Because he said, well, 155, that's a little too small for a heavyweight. What's the cutoff for a heavyweight in your head? I'm going to I'm gonna think of a number. Uh, okay, what's your cutoff in WWE as a heavyweight? What's your cutoff in AEW as a heavyweight? And then what's your cutoff on the independent scene as a heavyweight? So I'm probably going to throw you a complete curveball but i will answer cool. your question because cool. uh, i don't think my my answer is gonna be what you're looking for i don't like labeling heavyweight cruiser gotcha. weight, light gotcha. heavyweight any of that stuff i don't like doing that because i i think that then as we talk about it kind of limits of you you box them into a corner where as you said if he was heavyweight now it's like okay like how you might think like wait what the hell's going on in that promotion where this small guy is the heavyweight champion yeah where i think yeah. he has the move set the style skills where he might catch someone on surprise that is a bigger yeah. person to be a heavyweight. So I don't like to go off that. But to answer your question, if I were to do it, I always go off of UFC's kind of um, measurements. Like the weight, weight system? Exactly, yeah. So 
the heavyweight would be what anything over 205 i think 205 is light heavyweight. Okay. so anything over 205 would i would consider a quote unquote heavyweight that's why i was like when they build like when they name champions and belts i always like world champion or whatever i don't like heavyweight champion of the world because i like it goes into the boxing labeling in my opinion that's why i loved when impact didn't do the cruiserweight they did the x division because it's a style of wrestling that samoa joe could do it Alex Shelley could do it. So there's a big variance yeah. of a style of wrestling. So, but if I had to pick a number, my heavyweight number would be anything over quote unquote 205 or maybe just make it easy. Anything over 200. Cause I think that's what they were. I remember like WWE was doing that with Matt Hardy. Like he was the light heavyweight champion or cruiserweight champion, but it was a cap at 200. And he was like, yeah. oh, weigh him, put him on the scale. 204. <laughs> Strip him. So yeah, that's my, my complete answer on that. That's one. funny. Okay, so just for fun, because I'm trying to sit here and calculate it, because you were talking about some things there that I do get and I do understand, because what I'm gauging it by, I think would almost be an older style, mm-hmm. you know, with the heavyweight situation. Absolutely. So I'll go with the older style just because, and I'll even throw heights in there just because that's how it is. Because with WWE, I would say the ultimate championship would be writer or the championship, uh, the performer in a perfect world. I'd put him at six, five and about two twenty five. Uh, I would say I would say a minimum heavyweight should be two twenty five in WWE. And the only reason I say that is because WWE is the place for exceptional athletes and there are exceptional athletes that are in that category that I think would do fantastic, especially in say football. Maybe there's some football people like Lesnar who comes over, who has a fantastic physique that would fit right in. Um, if they're willing to learn, uh, when we go to AEW, I think the number should come down to 195 or 200 for a heavyweight. I know that excludes some people, but the first word is heavy. So I'd have to say in, in, in AEW, the average may be, what, 175, 180 yeah. for a male performer, maybe a little more. Um, so I would say heavy would be 200 plus. I don't know. I think I'd be excluding some people. And that that's my problem that's with labeling it. Yeah, exactly. So yes. now yes. you're saying like, oh, someone as talented as Speedball, like that's why I hate like when they say world heavyweight champion, because like obviously that's the, the big the biggest champ you could get, but then you're discrediting yes. all the, like, okay, you could have, uh, let's say the great Kali as a heavyweight champion. He's the face of your face of your promotion because he's heavyweight champion, but then you're discrediting like, uh, like a, a smaller worker, like a Shawn Michaels, a Bret Hart, who is miles and lifetimes ahead of great Kali in the ring. But mm-hmm. based off of that thing, you're telling me great Kali is the best wrestler in the world right now. When I'm like, yeah fucking yeah. bullshit like what are you talking about yeah. i think so that's why i don't like the label i get it as, as you said it's a more old school style of thinking and stuff like yeah. that but i just think like i had a question for you what who it like a uh, name a world champion we'll say heavyweight champion okay. like the top okay. dog in any promotion what is okay. the lightest person or smallest person that you would say would be like okay that would be the cutoff where hey anything lower than them i wouldn't have as uh-huh. world champion as a believable world champion with booking. Okay, so let's let's make this all fair, and you can tell me if you want different rules, but I would put this in like the 90s, which is probably the tail end of the big guy era. 
And I would say comparably when a lot of those guys were well over six feet, it would have to be someone who has the size and has the capability. And I think the total package, the cutoff for me, the smallest guy I think would be Eddie Guerrero and up. I would definitely include Eddie Guerrero with his size and his build as someone who is quite capable of handling himself in the heavyweight division. Um, and I think that's a good yeah, point. Because yeah, I think that he a, started yeah. off as a cruiserweight, but guess what? He wanted yes, to, he had to do to get to that world champion status is he had to bulk yes. up, get that muscle and do it. So yeah, that's a good good and, example. And, if you did it, yeah, because not only did he increase his physique, but he maintained his abilities. And um, he went out there and he actually did wrestle good matches with men of that higher size, those larger sizes and made it look really good. And one thing that I remember about someone like him was that it didn't take long for me to forget the height. He was just as tall as all the others when he fought. I don't know how, I don't know why, but for me, Eddie Guerrero was just as tall as Cena. Eddie Guerrero was also just as tall as Benoit. He was just like, Eddie was just so freaking adaptive that I look at someone who, yes, yeah, started in the cruiserweight, worked his ass off, worked on his body, uh, increased his muscle mass so that he looked more believable up in that heavier division. And that's where I would say, yeah, I give him respect. And he would be one of the ones that I would say would be a cruiserweight working up that I would find absolutely acceptable. Um, Rey Mysterio is a unicorn, but I would definitely put him in he's like the ultimate cruiserweight that just so happens to come up against the heavyweight when he was in those bulk years and i and i like yeah, how it's like yeah. stylistically like hey you can't just always have big guys doing the same moves like i think it'd be yeah it, it was awesome seeing ray as a champion because hey it's like not always the big guy like hey we got a different style we have um a high flyer here more fast pace which is kind of in it if you had like a real fist fight between let's say the Big Show and Rey Mysterio, like, yeah, if Big Show connects with him on one, it's over. But mm -hmm. you'd have to catch him. And I love how they played those storylines with those matches where Rey used his quickness, his ability, his uh, high-flying moves, and kept his distance to avoid that. And if you do it long enough and we're able to kind of slip into or keep on doing it well enough where you actually wear them down and beat him cleanly without it being a surprise yep. win. I just, I just yep. love that kind of storytelling. I love the different things, but like when, when we, like, I don't like saying world heavyweight champion. I like, I don't mind, I don't mind saying world champion just because I don't like to limit someone. Cause like, that's what, like, I always think when you think of world heavyweight champion, you think the best co your company has to present. And if fucking Kali is your champion and you have Shawn Michaels, I'm not, I know they're two different eras, but like, you have a rant, like not even Randy or Run Orton's too big, but you have these smaller competitors who are light years ahead of these bigger wrestlers as champions. Like I just like no, you can't sit there and tell me he's the best in the world just because of size. When I see yes, this yes. guy doing incredible move set and he's a real wrestler who can do everything and not just be the champion because he's big. Like I, that's where I kind of just don't like the pigeonholing yeah. kind of thing and i like that's what brett kind of said with when i asked the question on the gcw patreon when you're going to do a cruiser and his thing was he doesn't want to pigeon or not cruiser wait um what's the scramble. scramble yeah scramble match yes. sorry um like he doesn't want to pigeonhole a wrestler as a scramble champion so they could only be in scramble matches i'm like that like to me like that just doesn't make sense because they don't always have to be in a scramble 
Like, when they're defending the belt, yes, it always has to be in a scramble match, but we've seen champions wrestle non-championship, non-title matches against other wrestlers. So, like, I just think that was, like, in my opinion, that was kind of, like, a lazy answer to how they book it. But, obviously, as we always say, it's his money, not ours. He's the one doing all the hard work and and putting on the great shows, and we're just the fans spending other people's money. But I just don't like pigeonholing wrestlers in certain areas based off of size or weight or height or any of that stuff. Because I always, I love, that's what I loved. I always go back to exhibition. I loved it. How you could have Samoa Joe be champion. You could have Alex Shelley be champion. You could have all these different styles and um, sizes be the champion. And you're always going to get an exciting matchup because it's an exciting division to be in as a wrestler and as a fan to watch, in my opinion. Yeah. I think a lot of the divisions came because the wrestling, Pro wrestling was primarily trying to become more of a sport. So they were adopting more of this uh, weight related belts that were coming through. Um, I think it's not a problem about having a heavyweight belt. I think the issue may be if there is a heavy and a light or if there is that they're not getting equal amounts of respect when they should. Yep. And I think if if those belts, because I. I don't know. I look at it this way. If all things were reality, all the big guys would just kick the shit out of the little guys. And those would be our champions. They'd just be constantly milling around and that's just not exciting or fun. And that's not fair either. And that's why I was saying that I would love to see some type of a name for a GC, like the X division to TNA. I would love to see a whatever division to GCW, where some of these guys like Tony Depp and whatnot can work their asses off and carry a championship. I don't know. That, 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 especially for GCW. That's where GCW, I'm the same way. Like I want everybody that wrestles for GCW that I enjoy watching to be able to call themselves a champion based off of their talent, not based off of their size because they're so talented. And as you said, it's not fair that like speedball and Tony Depp and uh, Nick Wayne, a commander, can't be the world champion just because he's smaller, but like, look at the incredible shit that they're doing. It's always so exciting yep. to see the different style stylistic matchups that can be had based off of size differences and everything. Like Shane Mercer's like Shane Mercer, Marco stunt. Like I could see that match all the day long, but I kind of expect Shane Mercer to win. But when Marco pulled out the incredible out of nowhere move, it's like, Holy shit. Look what happened. It's like awesome moments that yes. we're kind of doing the division by weight and size realistically yes you have to do that just for the safety like ufc they have to do that because yeah somebody would get crushed exactly where in wrestling obviously we know we know it's a work and everything like that so i like to see them kind of expand on or make it open for any matchup or any wrestler to be the best performer recognized as a great champion and put on great matches based off of their talent not based off of pigeonholing them into division so right 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 we don't want to have a colleague who's yeah. just dominating because he's large exactly. and has nothing to show and that's fair too i okay i'm gonna be a hybrid on this one and it's good and bad so you can tell me if you agree or disagree i really do think there needs to be like i don't want to call it heavyweight but just for the sake of right now heavyweight and x division and have those as our two premier champions, singles champions in GCW. Then have our tag and then have one 
extreme or yes. slash hardcore. Ultra violent. I'm really, ultra violent one. And if we really get ass happy, we can take that hardcore belt and we can take it down to the scramble division or whatever. It can be something stupid. It could be put away. But um ah uh, well hold on why uh, yeah gonna... why <laughs> let's have some fun yeah, yeah. yeah talk to I me. do not want the extreme title to go away because I mm-hmm. love the design of it and I was so happy when PCO brought it back when he returned I thought that was kind of cool that they they kind of let it go I don't like how they let it go dormant for that long because it's I know how he kind of goes off of like hey just because the title holder can't defend the title we're not going to strip it where I'm like ah then it becomes especially like an ex- extreme title. It was just there, gone. It was like you recognize it as one of your titles, but it's never being defended. And when PCO came back, first thing he did was bring back the extreme title and you saw the crowd pop. And yep. I would just like to see the extreme title. I like what they're doing with it now. I kind of, I always said, get rid of it and make it the quote unquote scramble title. But with the title run that like Cole Radrick had, the title run that AJ Gray had, where the extreme title to me turned into not just like an ultra violent match. You don't know what kind of, if it's going to be defended in a scramble, if it's going to be defended in a uh, uh, death match, if it's going to be decided in a just straight up one-on-one match, like how he did with the ACH in LA. Like I loved how, they're kind of making the extreme title be defended in all these different ways. So it's not just the extreme title where I'm all for the ultra violent title be death match only kind of style. And you're, as you said, the hybrid title, I always thought the the world title could be the hybrid or like if you had a champion like Tony Depp in where, you know, you're not going to get death matches. You're going to get great in-ring action. But what happens when he does get into a title defense against a ultra violent wrestler a deathmatch wrestler he might need to go there or if he doesn't go there the ultraviolet wrestler the the deathmatch wrestler is going to use that to his advantage and pick up the victory now that's going to be defended in uh ultraviolet matches because that's what the champion is and then now you got to have a tony depp and a nick wayne a jordan oliver that doesn't do extreme titles or do do ultraviolet matches kind of have a ultraviolet match or maybe Tried as best they can to keep it away. I think it just kind of the hybrid, as you said, the world champion. I think if they kind of keep it a hybrid where it could be defended regularly without deathmatch, as kind of Moxie did. Moxie didn't get too crazy with like Blake Christian and stuff. That was kind of a more, yeah, uh, quote unquote hardcore match, not ultra violent. But then he defended it um, against Effie, and it's not really too many, too much fuckery was in that match. So I kind of like the world champion being the hybrid champion of you're the best, no matter what your style is, you're the best of the best right now where the ultra violent yeah. is. You're the best deathmatch wrestler. The extreme champion can kind of be like a hybrid. You just never know how it's going to be defended. So I kind of like how they did that with Cole Radrick and AJ Gray's title run where I end up changing my whole tone. It's like, okay, if we're going to be doing the extreme title and scramble matches and one-on-one and death matches and everything, I'm all for it because it adds a bunch of variety and it leaves it open to any style of wrestler to become the champion. We need a thumb wrestling champion. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I just, I had to say it. I thought it was funny. Okay. So we got off on a tangent. That was partially my fault here. So it was a fun tangent. <clears throat> I will say that um, there was a lot of decent moves in here. There was a nice Poison Rana by Lander that I at least wanted to mention for a quick moment. This was a hard-hitting match. It goes outside for a while, even onto the stage. It really did start slow. It was kind of a slow burn, but it got much more interesting as the match went on. I really did like the pace 
for that matter. It, it just made it feel like it was much more important as it went on. It felt like it picked up. Uh, Lander was a solid competitor. He's very strong for his size. Look, yeah, it's in my notes there. <laughs> and there was a spot where Jimmy took a nasty spike onto his head on, uh, and it was just, it just looked ugly. And um, the only other move I wanted to mention, I'm saying I'm a lot because I'm trying to read my notes on this one. Jimmy hits a real nice DDT destroyer. I think that was on the side of the ring. It looked fantastic. I, I think that, uh, that's what I have to say. It's a lot, but yeah. I think Alec Price was in the background screaming and yelling at Jimmy Lloyd for taking his DDT destroyer because I love when Ooh. Alec Price does that. Like, that that when he does that move, it's so fucking fun to watch. Jimmy Lloyd does it good too, and he's kind of I've seen him do it longer than I have uh, Alec Price do it, but I kind of prefer to see Alec Price do it because he kind of always hits it so smooth. And Jimmy Lloyd just I love when he's able to just no matter he's so flexible and adaptive. Like he's there. Okay, well, who can we put in for this match? Jimmy Lloyd. It doesn't matter which match. It's going to be a fun, entertaining, good match because. Jimmy Lloyd's good at any and all styles. And I, I, I always like seeing Jimmy Lloyd wrestle no matter what kind of match he is. Cause I think he's the underrated, like un, not underutilized, but like he's kind of like the, not the glue, but kind of how AJ Gray was like, Oh, we need somebody to fill this matchup. Call AJ Gray, call Jimmy Lloyd. Like they're just always down yeah. to do whatever kind of match and put on a great and entertaining match. And they never disappoint in my opinion. Yeah. This was unexpectedly better than I thought. Uh, here we go with every now and then where a wrestler kind of needs a real spotlight to show their talent. I was watching Jimmy work. His work looks so good. I think Lloyd's do. Um, this it's time to see Jimmy Lloyd put on a real wrestling match because people need to be reminded how fucking seriously good Jimmy is when he's given the spotlight. I would like to see Jimmy kind of get a run with one of these titles, but like kind of as like an underdog role, kind of like a uh, Brian Danielson, kind of like, hey, he's he's the homegrown. Everybody loves Jimmy Lloyd, no matter what he's doing. Everybody chants his name. He usually gets one of the bigger pops of the night wherever he shows up. And I'd like to kind of see him kind of go on a little win streak here, maybe with this uh, New Year's Rumble. Might be a sleeper to win the Rumble and get his chance. And I think the crowd would really get behind him, like how they did. A hardcore Daniel title. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, he could be give, a great give ultra him the hardcore champion. title. Yeah, I think he would be a great ultraviolet champion because I think that's where, oh, in yeah. my opinion, that's where I really love seeing him in. I know they always say he's like the scramble master. He's always in all the scrambles and all that stuff. I really love seeing like Jimmy Lloyd's whole feud with um, uh, G Raver and this crazy shit that they were doing that he was doing was so fucking awesome scene. And I, I love, I want to see that Jimmy Lloyd kind of back. I either want to see him kind of like do the underdog build up or just kind of just go on a tear and just destroy everybody in all these death matches and kind of show everybody. Cause he hasn't been in any of these death matches research death uh, to the tournaments lately, but I would kind of really yeah, love to see yeah. him kind of, kind of roll some, together some wins in a tournament to kind of get the crowd like oh shit jimmy's gonna do it he's finally gonna do something in jesus jimmy's real exactly yeah. like oh shit he's not just jimmy lloyd the the person on patreon that doesn't wipe his ass with to when he doesn't have toilet paper and all that stuff like all the stories you hear about him it's like okay he is a little bit of a different boy but i think he has a respect for gcw <laughs> wrestlers where he could get the crowd behind him or totally against him and just kind of go on a run and our winner ended up being the different boy, Jimmy Lloyd, with a Kumo driver on Jake Lander. Uh, only eight and a half minutes, but a great match. They did a lot in eight and a half minutes. Yeah, and uh, I, like I said, I enjoy seeing Jimmy Lloyd. I like nice seeing uh, Lander in. I 
Definitely would like to see Landers some more because I think he could provide a lot to the table. When we were kind of talking about tag teams, we see Axton Ray or Axton Ray and Shane Mercer. I think Lander and Shane Mercer would be a pretty fun tag team to watch too, just because of how they interacted at that ladder match. They could kind of go strength for strength with the uh, with their styles and stuff like that. I was kind of quickly looking up Jimmy Lloyd's uh, his record. Yeah, and GCW. It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. But he's a workhorse. Yeah, twenty six percent of the match, twenty five wins, and yeah, and losses. So I would like to see him kind of turn that around a little bit and kind of go on a little run. I think he's kind of just earned it. I I know uh, maybe backstage and his little antics, maybe uh, not so much earned it in Brett's mind, but I think in ring and what he's always willing to do for the company and always willing to show up and put his body on the line and do whatever kind of matches needed of him. I think he's well-deserved of some sort of title shot or title run here uh, in the near future. And that will lead us into our sixth matchup of the evening, one that I was very much looking forward to, to kind of see what kind of uh, fuckery would happen if we would get some magic like how we got with John Wayne Murdoch and uh, Mance Warner as John Wayne Murdoch goes against Effie. And I had a lot of expectations for this match, and I I loved it. It was fun. It did everything it needed to be doing. The ending was very surprising. I'm very interested to see what kind of happens from there. And I thought this was one of these matches that we always say we want Effie to do one of these more serious style matches and, and not focus on too much of the fun comedy stuff, but get kind of serious. And this was definitely one of these matches we got. And I love seeing Effie like this. I love seeing him when he does the comedy spots too, but there's a good serious Effie is one that I like to watch. And I got that in this match with John Wayne Murdoch. So what I really liked about this was the fact that these two can put on any style of match. Mm-hmm. I I can't think of one in my head that neither Murdoch nor Effie will say no to. I I really like to see two performers go out there and know they can have any kind of match and they're capable of doing it well. And both of them are extremely capable of putting on fantastic matches. Effie was out first, well received as always. I always love hearing Elton John come out across the uh, across the speakers. Murdoch comes out covered from elbows to fingertips in protection. He had gloves on. He had tape on the wrists. I knew something was up for sure because this was there was a lot of protection on Murdoch, and Murdoch usually don't have that much on him. So really, you got that thing? I was thinking like, hey, of all the fucking shit he's been doing with japan and uk and the tos and everything like this dude needs to come out and just full-on catcher's gear and or like the little the little uh kid with all the foam and little giants like all right i'm ready because he's been so much i think he's gotten smart and he's learned to tape up more put gloves on and i think that's really smart for him to do it's he's got he's got a kid he's got a family it's it's only smart for him to really protect himself and he's so damn good at what he does i don't mind if murdoch protects himself because that means hopefully we get more murdoch as the years go on and he's a workhorse too like how we talk about jimmy lloyd like he's just like especially now he's on gcw i know i heard the stat before he was on gcw last year in 2020 i think it was or 2021 where he wrestled like 300 matches it's like what and some of these were like uh-huh. iron man death matches for like an hour long it's like this guy is just willing to work and put on a great performance for all his fans and i i like to see him kind of getting with the little run he's on right now in gcw dude this the fans were totally behind effie in this one there was a ton of effie chance everywhere through this whole thing uh there was a spot where effie gets chopped in the chest I mean, he keeps getting chopped by Murdoch and 
Effie turns around and twists his own nipples, and he really <laughs> liked it. Uh, very, very, uh, very good stuff. I love there. the chant. Effie liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, there was another spot where Murdoch skewers Effie in the ass and then spools out the skewers with his teeth and licks the blood off the skewers. This is uh, this is real, my friends. At four minutes, there was a spot where Effie gets slammed into thumbtacks, then gets his face pushed into him. Effie took a skewer to the nuts. That Murdoch hit Effie with a second rope deep, uh, deep south destroyer onto a table that looked fantastic. Murdoch hits Effie with a great brain buster through a chair. Those are most of the heavier spots that went down in this one. I... Uh, I didn't expect that much to come out of this. I know that they're capable of all kinds of stuff, but I mean, this was match six. It's like the middle of the show. I know they're not trying to steal any spots or anything like that. And this, this one really delivered. Yes. That that was my word to delivered. It hit what I thought it would. It actually, this is one of these matches also exceeded because I had it pretty, I was excited to see what was going to happen to this match. And if they would kind of get the fuckery, keep it in the ring or not do the use the weapons and stuff like that. And I'm glad it wasn't too crazy. Just the skewers. I didn't mind yeah, that. I, yeah. I liked how it was just the skewers. I really liked uh, in the, ass. the creative oh. way that he used the skewers. Like It played off with Effie. Like as much as I always want to say, I wish Effie would be more serious and stuff. When this shit happens, like, okay, Effie has it mastered of when... To do the comedy, the funny, the entertainment, and when to get serious. And that's why I'm yeah. really loving on this Effie run is he is doing a great mixture of both. And um, yeah, the, the, the skewers to the nuts part, I was like, what in the world? But it was so fun and it fit into this match. It fit into what I expected would, would happen if they did bring a bunch of fuckery, even though it was just uh, skewers. I'm, I expected cause some stuff like that to happen. I didn't expect that to happen for sure but i enjoyed watching it It was fun and this was a very fun entertaining match and as you did the rundown every little piece was on effie like effie took 90 percent of the damage of, oh like, gosh yeah but as you said he's twisting his nipples he's enjoying it he's in love with it so, <laughs> uh i i liked it this was enjoy a very enjoyable match and the ending was kind of even a surprise after all that beating effie took as we said all it needs is one little slip up one little mistake mm-hmm. one little spot to kind of take the control of the match and Effie ends up finding that spot on John Wayne Murdoch and he hits a jackknife pin and quickly covers Murdoch to the stunned crowd. I was stunned at home. Like even Effie was stunned. He's like, wait, that was three. And John Wayne Murdoch's like, what just happened? Like I loved it and I am excited. I don't know where they're going to go with this um, because Effie kind of has his own little thing going on with uh, Charles Mason. It seems like, and John Wayne Murdoch just won, just won the, the, Nick Gage Invitational, so that makes it... That was surprising to me. It was after that big win over the tournament, he kind of comes back and loses... I don't think it was the first match since then. Maybe one of the first uh, first couple matches since then. But I was really surprised to see him take the loss so quickly after winning that tournament. I thought maybe he was going to use that momentum to go after the Ultraviolet Championship again or possibly go after Nick Gage and be a world title. I was kind of really shocked to see John Wayne Murdoch lose in that's fun for me. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with all this. So, and I'm very much excited to see what does happen with all this. You know, I'd like to see Gage go through a lot of the originals. I mean, of rituals, but a lot of the regulars, the GCW regulars, I can't really say it a better way. I think Murdoch does need a shot at Gage. I think they could put on a fantastic match. I think Murdoch knows how to keep at Gage's pace. 
And I think it would be fantastically bloody. And I think he would obviously work a great match because we I've seen him we've seen him work great matches with Ricky Morton and uh Oh, oh yeah, God. that's that pace I'm talking about. Yeah. He has that pace. Yeah, he knows like what like when to speed it up against Alex Cologne, when to slow it down with a older legend that's not as mobile. Nick Gage is somewhere kind of in the middle at this point right now, but he's looking really, really good. I would like to see, especially right now, while Nick Gage is looking as good as he is. I'd like to see a little 20 minute, 25 minute classic with John Wayne Murdoch. Cause I think they would, well, that's pace a lot this. of blood. I think they would pace it very good. and be a fun match. Like I really think mm. they need to do that now while Nick Gage is kind of on top of his game at this point of his career. than what we kind of saw a couple months ago, I think they should take advantage of it, but you also don't want to work him too hard where he's back to being injured and not being as mobile and looking right. like how we did with Moxie. So it is a fine line uh, to kind of pick and choose when to, use utilize nick gage and when not to yeah this was this was fun i i enjoyed it it's definitely exceeded my expectations going into our seventh matchup of the evening we have everybody's favorite asshole in gcw i don't know i think that's kind of quickly going away though because uh <laughs> seems like he's tony's amped up the asshole assholeness of uh his yeah, character he's super asshole now <laughs> i like it i like it the more the better Everything that happened before this match started, I loved, and I know we're going to talk about it, but Tony Deppin goes one-on-one with Jordan Oliver, and after seeing the two-hour marathon that they had at Fight Forever on that YouTube show I was telling you about, that 24-hour show, they wrestled for two hours in an Ironman match, and kind of seeing how much better Jordan's gotten since then, and Tony Deppin's kind of kept his pace, and he even improved uh, as well, I was... Hoping for a longer match, but I didn't expect it to go as long as it did. And I am very happy with this match. It was, to me, the match of the night. I, I'm i glad I got everything I wanted in this match. I got the the maximum asshole, Tony Deppin. Jordan Oliver showing off all, everything he's kind of done over this last year. Kind of put it all together in this match with Tony Deppin. And we got to see a nice, long match. As this match went, damn near, it went 32 minutes. I... Loved yeah. every piece of this match. I love Tony coming out, tossing everybody's hat as far as they can. I, I love Tony Deppin hit every spot on this match to maximize his assholeness. And I think it's good with his title match coming up with uh, Nick Gage in LA. Okay. So a lot of fuck you, Tony's. <laughs> that chant was very loud in this one. Deppin was going to be the obvious heel. It was obvious. Um, the match had a breathable pace, which I really enjoyed. There was a spot where Tony drank Jordan's water. That had me that laughing. That was funny, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony taking the hats off of pretty much everybody in the front row and fucking tossing them. Yep. I thought was fantastic. I love when they toss okay. it back, too, because uh, like, it pisses Tony off. More. Yeah. Like, no, asshole, I threw it over there for a reason. <laughs> and it's the same thing, but they're doing the fuck you, Tony chat. You see him just like kind of rolling his eyes like, really? That's all you guys got? So... I don't know how to flip this, or I would say, looking back on this match now, this should have been the first of a co-main event. I don't know why it wasn't, or maybe it was and I just didn't hear it, but this should have been a co-main event, and I think it should have been booked as such ahead of time, or maybe even given a 30-minute announcement ahead of time so people knew it was it was cool to settle in. You were about to see something. Uh, I was with you about 15, 16 minutes in. I'm like, hmm, this thing's really breathing. 22 minutes in, I'm thinking, 
okay, are, are we gonna are we gonna really make thirty? And no shit, we hit thirty, but then I see it going past that. I'm like, wow, okay, okay. And I'm thinking back to that two hour match and i'm like oh my gosh what are they are they pulling an hour match here and i'm looking at the time I'm like they can't be doing that um wow wow uh, again i just wish we had a little heads up because honestly this was just fantastic i probably would have watched it with an even more careful eye because i like to really watch those matches develop and it's really cool to see them kind of how they pace out and you know oliver did such a great job at having injuries he was showing injury quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, he was selling and, good. Yes, and if it if it was real, oh boy! But if it wasn't, he did a damn good job at, at showing that he did. The uh, sidewalk slam that Oliver has—that's that's just that's now part of his repertoire, and I don't think it's going to go away. To me, this had a very old school WCW style to it, '80s, like an '80s, early '90s, with the pacing with the battling that was going down it was just really fantastic and um you know what i actually might go back and watch that one because it's like fine wine where you're able to go okay now that i know this is really good shit i'm gonna go back and enjoy it kind of thing this is one of those matches (laughs) oh did you Uh, the next night after after uh one afternoon only because uh when that match was happening i was enjoying it i didn't think it went 30 minutes i was just so into it I was like this is a fun long match and like mm-hmm. i saw someone on twitter that night it was i watched it way too late so i couldn't rewatch it that night but someone goes oh it was like 30 minutes i'm like what that was 30 minutes like it did not feel like a 30 minute match it was long but it didn't feel like it was so slow where it dragged out that long i, I thought it was just a normal a good fast-paced 20 minute match but when I saw it was 30 minute match, I went back and rewatched it. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And they kept, I, I don't know. I'm going to steal your thing here, but as you said, told a solid story. Like I thought it told a great story of. Absolutely. I wish they would have mentioned more of maybe Tony Depp in fighting, fighting Jordan to get to Nick or sending a message of, Hey, I'm going to beat your boy that got you in great shape, Nick, just to show you what I'm going to do to you. I kind of wish they would have played off that story a little bit more than what happened. But I think just on a regular one-on-one match, they did great storytelling with the move, the holds, the selling, the Tony being the asshole, Jordan getting the crowd behind him, getting his little shine spots, and then Tony being an asshole and putting a stop to that and taking control of the match and taking control of the crowd. I loved every piece of this match. This was fantastic. It was a it was a classic. I I I was calling it a classic. It was it was awesome. But it did not feel like 30 minutes. No. Um what I will say what was it's rare for GCW to see a match go that long. So I was really appreciative that they'd let these two breathe like that. And this whole thing, neither man really was considered dominant. Mm-hmm. I really noticed that it really was a true back and forth. And I like that. Um, Jordan did get the shit kicked out of him a little bit towards the tail end of that, or not the tail end, but in the second half of the match. And like I said, he sold it so damn well. But our winner in this one was Tony Deppen via hammer fist to Jordan's head. It was really, really nasty. They made it look really good. Uh, Same thing. Go watch this match if they have the opportunity because they did everything so well. And the bad guy won. And it didn't matter. It was still a great match. I, I'm i now starting to wonder, though, about Jordan being a number one contender after number one or two just kicked the shit out of him on the way to the top. 
So I'm kind of concerned about what may happen here. The only way I could see around this may be Jordan going, we need to do this again. And it turns into a best of three eventually. Otherwise, I do worry about a Jordan push in this sense. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. You have two men going for the championship and one just kicked the shit out of the other. Usually that loser goes to the back and uh, the winner moves ahead and tries to hit the champion. So I, I don't know. I'm trying to wonder what they're trying to do, which I say they would as well. I, I don't know what they're doing with Jordan. If they're trying to focus him more as a tag team with Nick Wayne and push him then, because it seemed like that was going to be happening until the damn mega bastards lost the belts and then fucked all that storyline up. I don't want to get mad about that again, but he's also <laughs> had big wins over Matt Cardona and a lot of big wins over a lot of good singles competitors this year. And he's had a pretty good wrestles uh, record as a singles competitor. I am the same way. I, I just think they, there could be something still, some sort of storyline somehow, some way. Maybe they're getting to it, as you said, of losing to the number one and then losing to the number two of fighting Nick Gage. I just wonder, I wish they would do more of having Jordan be kind of like, I don't know, not the muse, but like kind of like the tool that gets Nick Gage to go after like a Tony Depp and stuff like that. Where I wish, like, mm. I wish they didn't announce Tony Depp, like, as we kind of talked about. They should have announced Tony Deppin's future title shot as he still had a title shot coming up on the next show, this show, going against Cole Radrick. I really wish they would have used this match. No, there's no next next opponent for Nick, Nick Gage. He's just wrestling against Cole Radrick, and we'll see where we go from here. But with this match, they could have had Tony Deppin literally beating the shit out of Jordan at the end of this match, sending a message to Nick Gage where, hey, Nick, if you win, I now have sent this message and this is going to give Nick a reason to go after Tony instead of Tony just calling Nick out and him accepting it. I think Tony could have beat the shit out of Jordan, use that to get Nick Gage to put up a title shot because he's so mad he beat up one of his good friends, the person he's training with now to get into the better shape and use Jordan kind of as a tool to bridge Tony Depp and Nick Gage to explain their upcoming title shot at uh, the UCC. So, I, I, I just wish they would do more with Jordan being with, with Nick Gage. And I think they could tell a lot of different stories with all these different competitors of why they're the next to get a match with Nick Gage. Or I don't know. We got this ready to rumble uh, or not ready to rumble. What's it? Uh, ready to die rumble coming up at the end of the year on New Year's Eve um, for a future title shot at the world champion. I don't know, mate. I'm obviously hoping Jordan wins, but I could see a lot of possibilities if Jordan wins that match as well to maybe set up a Jordan versus Nick. Or if, as you said, if Tony beats, beats Nick Gage and becomes champion somehow, let's run this back. I won the champion. You got the better of me that night. We went 31 minutes. Let's make this a best out of like, I don't want to say best out of seven series. Cause that's what's happening now in another company, but, and I don't want to say Iron Match because we've seen that Iron Match turn into a two-hour. Two I just wonder where they could go with Tony. I think they could go somewhere with Tony and Jordan if Tony does win and Jordan does win the Rumble match. I think they could do something there along the lines of some sort of storytelling and building up to a possible great moment of Jordan becoming champion. Tony continuing his terror as a heel and beating everybody. I just think there's a lot of possibilities that can be done with the coming up uh, Rumble coming up. So I'd like to see a big brother situation yep. between Gage and Oliver. And we really play that up. I mean, we really play that up a lot. 
And then this is where Deppin could have torn through Gage's little brother. Just beat the piss out of Gage's little brother. Let me tell you something. I kicked the shit out of your kid. I'm coming for you and I'm coming for your title. You can't do shit about it. I just broke through the front gate. And it would make I sense. That that would have worked. Now, just for fun, let's put another one in there. Let's just go ahead and have a little turn where little brother either tries to fuck over big brother or big brother sees that little brother's getting too big and he sabotages little brother. That can be your setup for the main event between Gage and Oliver. And then let's have some fun and have a little bit of interference by Deppin. Just for solidarity, to make it an anti thing and flip it into this is brother on brother again, we'll have both men stop and both kick the shit out of Deppin for a minute or two, both of them together. And then they turn turn. and they kind of agree like, oh, yeah. And they fucking bump this and they're like, let's fucking go. And then this whole do you I got it. I think I got a lot of stuff they could do. Yeah, I, I hope someone pays attention to that because there's something really fucking nice there that. Yeah. Wow. Actually, that would have been fantastic. It would have brought them back together. Yep. I just think they should start booking title run. (laughs) Yeah, we got to get the the fight TV money to uh, start booking these shows and getting the wrestlers. I I don't think there's a lot that can be done that's not being done. And obviously, we don't know why. And I have a little suspicion here. I, I could be completely off. Nowhere near it. Up our next show that's coming up after we cover one one afternoon only. The next show after that is December sixteenth, LA. Mm-hmm. That's the debut of Vikingo. That's going to be a big deal. I wonder what they're going to do with Vikingo. But I'm finding it a little interesting here. They always post of hey, already signed, Blake Christian, Tony Deppin, Ninja Mac, Nick Gage. They always announce yeah. all that stuff. Jordan's not on this one on LA show. He's not announced hmm. as already signed. I think on one of the New Year show. Or shortly after New Year's, they've already put, like, already signed. Jordan's not on there. I wonder if maybe Jordan is going over with Yamato. Not with Yamato, but after that match, I was kind of thinking maybe Jordan has earned or is going to go to Dragon Gate or somewhere in Japan and wrestle for a little bit. So that's why they're not doing the storyline because, hey, we're not going to have Jordan here coming up soon. So why start something that we're not going to have? Let's just use Jordan now in these kind of matches before he goes. I just wonder if there's something up with him not being announced because he's always one of the first five announced. It's always Cole, Effie, Ali, Nick Gage, Jordan. It's always like the same uh, quote-unquote regulars. But him not being announced, I've been kind of having thoughts in my head. I wonder if something's in the works where that's why they're not doing... I Like I said, as you came up, you just came up with that one on the fly. I'm a Jordan fan, obviously. I have a million things, like storylines. Every match, I always think, oh, they could do this story. They could do that story with Jordan. I do that with all the wrestlers, too. But I think with Jordan and Nick Gage, there's a lot being left on the table, and I just... I don't understand why. Obviously, I don't need to know why. I'm not the booker, but as a fan, I'm just like, I think they're missing out on something, but maybe there's an ultimate reason why. And I wonder if him not being available for a little bit of time as he maybe does an excursion like Ninja Mac over in Japan where he's not going to be there. So that's why they're not doing the storylines. I don't know. I'm just very interested. I I just think they could be doing a lot more. And I kind of hope they start doing something like that storyline because it's all right there in front of, in their hands, in their lap. They just need to make something with it, I think. Now, 
I know he works his ass off. There is a possibility he may be taking just that Christmas holiday time off so that he can spend it, you know, recharging his battery. Yeah, I was show with the family, because when you're away that long, I'm sure there's people you miss. That doesn't mean I'm right. I just think I may have taken an excuse and really dressed it up nicely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, I think that um, he may be just taking some time off to relax, because the only other thing I see out here for him is Defy on December 17th. Jordan's going to be at Defy? Yeah, December what? 17th. Uh, man, maybe I shouldn't have announced that, huh? Oh, okay, so here's what's up. It's a triple now. triple threat, Lucha Rules, El Fantasmo, Jordan Oliver, and Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo Rojas? Or Rosas? I believe so. Hold on. Yeah. I did not yeah. know Jordan's going to be at Defy. Anyway, yeah, during our GCW thing. But no, no, no. no. It's just that's yeah. what's going on. And, and, and that's we cool. support I'm cool the performers that. and the company. So yeah. this is one of the performers doing his thing. But yeah. Holy shit. 16th. You just broke some news to me, man. Or 17th. I'm Elf sorry. I don't know has, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. They got. Yeah. And I really like to fight. I've always have liked him. But really now they're starting to work with GCW, quote unquote, regulars a lot, too. I think uh, SGC is the Defy Tag Champions, if I'm not mistaken, oh, really? from one of their last shows. Yeah. Oh, and that's going to be the card with the Viking. Oh, my God. Okay. I don't want to go into the fight. This is great. That's insane. Yeah. And I, I'm all for that. If he's like, I like how they are going to other companies and working. Like, let's say, hey, we don't have anything for you to do right now. Like SGC. Go ahead. Go become the Defy Tag Champions and yep. run your shit there and make a name for yourself with a new market, uh, new new fans and stuff like that. That could only help GCW, I think, in the long run. So I'm all for him. That's awesome. I had no idea Jordan's in Defy. I need to find somewhere to watch the fire on a, they need to have like their own little uh, streaming. I think they're on like the wrestling, wrestling world, wrestling network or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But so now, cool. I are, think are you yeah. good? So it's, it's dead time for GCW fans for this weekend. Correct. Mm-hmm. There's nothing going on this week. Nope. Okay. So we'll talk about a couple things just for fun. I didn't even talk to you about bringing them up, but ETU wrestling, they're going to have a ton of GCW talent on there. They usually do, yeah. They have pretty good shows, too. I've seen Expect the Unexpected. Yeah, Demanto versus Tremont. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah. That's good. I believe I believe this match is supposed to be Tremont's last barbed wire rope match. I think he has I'm one correct. coming up with Sawyer Wreck, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe that already happened. I thought they were going to use him like a no-rope barbed wire, some crazy match with Sawyer Wreck, I thought I heard, for his promotion. Uh, let's see. Billy Starks will be over there. Brian Keith, Akira, Marcus Mathers. I see on here. Oh, Marcus Mathers versus Jordan Oliver. That's the tenth. That's fun. Just letting everyone That's know tomorrow. if this comes out by the tenth. Oh my god! I already got some uh, tomorrow. Oh, well. I know. If if it comes <laughs> out by the tenth, check it out because there's a lot of GCW regulars on there. Um, I was gonna mention. Yeah, Defy uh, looks pretty darn good. But I think that runs up against GCW's night. I think that's just so, so cool, though. All these GCW wrestlers going to Japan and killing it in Noah, like Ninja Mac and Dante Leon. Joe yeah. Janela's out there, too, killing it. I, I just love how there are going to other companies. And I, I know I don't want to say they're GCW wrestlers, but in our eyes, obviously, they are because we see them almost every show. But I just really like seeing them kind of spread out because Defy Seattle. I don't think GCW's been there. So I think that'd be a good way to kind of get a good introduction to what GCW kind of has to offer for when they do go out there. Because I think they did mention or did announce that they are going there for a show here soon. I don't know. Just yeah, real, just, yeah. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. You no, first. I'm just going to bring it back to this Tony Depp in uh, match. I just, I, I, just someone wish, should. Right? I know now. <laughs> yeah, I'm go for it, brother. Uh, I, I just wish they would have not announced. And we, I complained about this last time and how I did not like how they You're just complaining. announced. Yeah. Like, Let's hear it. I, well, like how I did last time. Like, I just don't like how they're announcing future title matches for Nick Gage when he still has one coming up. Like it just, Oh, it you're talking like stuff. how they announced Depp in two weeks. Yeah. Like out. And then there was still, uh, uh, you Cole know, Magic the one with Cole still. So if he would have, you know, if Cole would have won, that would have negated. Yeah. They really well, should have held off know. on that Who one. Unless there's happened. a good reason. Cause I'd say like you think it, it wouldn't negate it, but who knows with that situation? Because when Jordan and Nick were supposed to get the tag title matches, the champions lost the night before they didn't get it. So you, I would hope they'd stay consistent with that kind of booking where they wouldn't just throw Cole Radrick in with Tony Deppin because then that just eliminates all your other past bookings you did. But I think mm-hmm. this would have been the perfect night to set, have Tony send a message to Nick Gage or like, Hey, you get past Cole at this, at least it's close enough where I just beat up your boy. Now I'm going to come up and beat like he could have just destroyed Jordan. Like how this match ended everything fine at the end, destroyed Jordan. Nick Gage has his match with Cole Radrick. Nick Gage wins. Tony comes out and is like, Hey, you see what I've did to your boy. I'm going to do that to you in LA. Let's go. Or Nick Gage gets on the mic. It's like, Hey, you know what? Tony Deppin, fuck you. I saw what you did earlier. I ain't going to let that slide. I feel good. I just beat Cole, me and you, LA. I'm beating your ass for beating Jordan's ass. Like that just would make sense. And you don't ruin a future match that's about to come up for no reason at all. I, but our, not our money, not our toys, but I right, think right. it would have made more sense that way. As a, it just, as so, a wrestling fan in general, after all the years I've seen booking, that would make the most sense to me instead of just announcing it before they defended it already. I gotcha. So, so the booker and me, I originally thought that if he was announcing that match after Coles, that this possibly would have foreshadowed Deppin interfering in the Gage Cole match. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I thought he, he would have come in and been like, you know what? Uh, I don't know. He could have had some kind of reasoning and whatnot and interfered so that he could have gotten his shot, which would have solidified uh, Deppin as more of a heel. And that would have solidified uh, Cole as more of a baby face. And, and there I am booking again. There <laughs> That's we go. what we're doing. We're going to call this one the booking. Night. Well, I'm just, I think there's some good ideas there. And I, I think about it. And I mean, all they have to do is put in a couple sentences here and it really could have been a completely different story with a lot more meaning. That's that's my not complaining. Kind of, no, I am <laughs> never complaining. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, yeah, but, I'm not but, complain about the whole situation is that it just in my opinion, my eyes, my whatever. It just didn't make sense. And I could have been done differently. But oh, well, still got to see an awesome Jordan Tony Deppin match. I really liked how Tony kept on going for that cross face and cross face. And then finally, he's like, all right, yeah. what is that to happen? I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. You're stuck. And that's how Jordan lost. I, I think that was a very good way to kind of still protect Jordan because he got out of that move five times earlier in the match while him not tapping and just taking the hammer fist to Jordan. Or, I, I think he did tap, actually. But still, like, hey, he went through a lot of stuff. It wasn't the first time he got caught in it and just tapped. I think it still protected Jordan. And Jordan came out looking really good. And Tony Deppin came out looking really good as well as a future uh, contender for the world title. And speaking of that... We will go into our main event of the night. As we kind of mentioned already, Nick Gage defends the GCW world title against the ratty daddy, the bloody buddy, Cole Radrick. I like that name. <laughs> I always like that name. Um, 
yeah, I thought this would be a cool little match. I, 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 I think I said last time I ruined my expectations. I wasn't really too excited for this match. I was just kind of hoping to see Nick Gage look as good as he is. I kind of thought it was already ruined because of the last show's announcement with Tony Deppin. So, uh, I expect I didn't really. I watched like after seeing that, and I saw this was a main event. I was kind of just watching it to see what kind of crazy shit Cole would do and see if maybe he would kind of stiff Nick Gage as a little payback to a couple years ago and stuff like that. Um, and to kind of see Cole in a main event world title shot to see if he would kind of step up to the plate. But I I already assumed who was going to win and everything, so I wasn't fully paying attention. Not fully paying attention, but I wasn't fully invested in this match as I was. It was a nice, fun match. I think Brett even made a comment on Twitter, like Nick Gage looks like how he did a couple of years ago. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yes, he does. And yep. I'm yep. all happy for it. That's all I want to see right now is Nick Gage at the top of his game, which he is now. And- GDP yoga. That's what's next for Gage. I shit you not. He comes off. No, he does. He still comes off like he's been through a lot of shit. I bet you with something like DDP yoga, it would get him even more loosened up and may lengthen his career. Yeah. It could be definitely. I, th- I think whatever he's then doing, again, like, I could lose weight too, you know, yeah, and yeah, that would just be perfect too. And man, <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, even though I probably shouldn't. I, I, um, I'm a PE teacher, so to, I'm doing dance this week, and I've been doing it for the last two weeks. I uh, hurt my calf, like I'm limping around all day long because I jumped and landed wrong. <laughs> I didn't right, land right, on right. I jumped my four inch vertical. I landed wrong. My calves hurt. I'm done. I can't move around. I didn't take no light tubes. I didn't take no glass panes. I didn't take no skewers to the head or pizza cutters. I, I, Nick Gage is crazy, but whatever he's doing, it's working. And I'm super happy that it's happening. We are seeing a good Nick Gage and not kind of what we saw during the Moxie match. So um, that was my main takeaway from this match was Nick Gage on top. And Cole Radrick did step up and show he might not be right there, but right that might not be ready for the world title, but he's right there. He is there's yeah. just give him a little bit more time. He's going to be incredible to watch as a main eventer for GCW. Cole is still young. Yep. And in five years, he's just going to be more mature. He's just going to be that much tougher. He's going to know how to play to the camera and the fans even more. He does such a good job at it. And he's just one of those ones that he's just so damn lovable that it's only a matter of time. I think he will have a run in him. He's he's not like he's Jimmy Lloyd light. We're starting to realize that he will be there. And I love that. And it's another one where he's willing to put on absolutely any type of match that he's asked to put on. It's another one where he's just so versatile yep. in that. But um, yeah, I'll go ahead to my notes here because I started trailing off on on some of these really. And he's also got the crowd. The, sorry, he's got that that something yeah. that the crowd will loves him and gets behind him. He's got something that it some some sort of it factor. He's got it in him to get the crowd behind him, and I think that's just only going to keep on getting the crowd more behind him as we keep on seeing Cole Radrick develop and grow as a performer, as we saw in this year year's run that he's had. That's a beautiful segue. Thank you. So we start with the video package on Cole and I loved it. This is a story about him. This is for him. The strength in Cole is his connection to people and how normal he is. It's about hope. It's about, you know, looking at the underdog and 
he just he encompasses all that and this simple video package did so much and i would say you pair that with him getting on the mic the last show and saying hey i'm just a kid from here and this and that and i'm around a bunch of people who really don't make much of themselves and i never thought i would and here i am and i'm very thankful and i'm going to keep pushing forward and become greater and better and i think that's a fantastic thing i look at it and i look at my kid and i go you know I see, a, I see a kid just like that in there, and I would want him to say the same thing. I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to do everything that I can to be a champion, and, and, and. And he spoke with pure words. They weren't dressed up. They were words like, I do this. I care for this. I, you know, he basically put it out there. I'm from a small town where shit goes on. I get that. I know that. That's how I got the hell out was because I saw there was no choices for me to do anything but to sit there and well, just act like I did at eight years old when I was there. It doesn't make sense. But uh, the video package was absolutely fantastic. Before this match even started, you could look around the ring. You see light tubes, panes of glass. I saw a shower door, chairs, a whole bunch of other stuff. A lot of just shit. Yeah. Just being brought out for the main event. The bell rings basically with a bundle of tombs being smashed directly into Cole's face. So, I mean, it, it just got violent straight from the beginning when uh, when Cole ate tubes. Gage brings out the pizza cutter before minute one. I I don't have another way to put that. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, we're going to just step it up that quick. No, because Cole also has a pizza cutter, which I thought was fantastic. And I think he had that MDC shirt on. Uh, I think I that's what he had shirt. on. I, yeah, I murder, death, Cole. Yeah, I'm. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, I saw someone yep, yep. post that on Twitter. That I think it might have been you, MDC, responded yeah. to a Cole tweet, and I'm like, "What is it? What's MDC? What am I missing? I'm a fucking idiot. I've just missed a lot of shit, I guess. And the most obvious one is <laughs> murder, death, Cole. So yeah, I'm an idiot. I loved how yeah. too though Cole's prepared. Like I already know you got the pizza cutter. Guess what, motherfucker? So do I. It's like like the trump card in Eight Mile. <laughs> I know what you're gonna do. Guess what? I'm gonna do it too. Like I loved it. I loved how he was ready with the pizza cutter and not ready to take any shit from Nick during this match. Right. A crazy MDK chance going on. The tubes are fucking flying everywhere. And minute one just ended. So here we go into minute two. There was more tubes just flying everywhere. Minute three, light tubes into Cole's back. A bag of pizza cutters came out. Nick, I don't know, man. It's it's like they must have had a sale on them and they decided that was just how it was. I Either think, that yeah. or, or I, I don't know. Maybe they're just pushing the pizza cutter merchandise. I, I love to. <laughs> I think it was Dave Prezak or MLJ goes, hey, there's a pizza rear out here that can't make any pizza tonight because they lost all their pizza cutters. Like there's going to oh, be yeah. a pizza shortage yeah. in Sage. In Sage. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll stay on. Yeah. Uh, I'll stay on here. So minute four, Nick keeps bringing out pizza cutters from his pants and he starts cutting coal. Minute five, Cole was getting cut on all sides of the ring. Minute six, a bundle on Cage's chest, on Gage's chest, sorry. Cole dives onto him. It was a fantastic spot. Minute seven, Cole was setting up um, all these panes of glass. Minute eight, Cole gets put through that glass pane instead. Uh, Cole was putting in most offense, but he was also taking the nastiest amounts of damage in this. I think it was well balanced. Minute nine, a lot of back and forth wrestling. Yes, there was wrestling in this. And they did a damn good job at it. 
minute 10 back and forth punches while both were on their knees. It was that moment of the match where, you know, they're showing they fought so hard. They're now down on their knees. It looked really good. Minute 11, Gage was laid between two chairs. And this is going to go directly into the ending. But Gage was laid directly uh, between two chairs. He was laying down and they put a pane of glass across those two chairs. So you can imagine just putting a pane of glass on chairs. Then Gage was underneath them. Then Cole went ahead and grabbed a, a bundle of tubes and then laid it across Gage's chest underneath. So then Cole, of course, he thinks he has Gage beat. He goes up to the top. He does a little posing, kind of reacting to the crowd. And just as he turns around on the top rope there, Gage takes that bundle and just fucking cracks him with it hard. And I mean, like spooky dust everywhere. It was incredible. And that's where Gage basically grabs a hold of Cole and pile drives him through the pane of glass that was set up below. And that was the one, two, three. Nick Gage came out with the win. It was a it was a fantastically filled 12 minute match between those two. And it was just amount just the right amount of wrestling that I expected between those two and definitely a lot of violence. And I'm I came away happy as a deathmatch fan. Yeah, I I was happy too. Like even though I kind of knew what the ending was, at least if I didn't know that Cole or Gage was going to be defending against or going against Tony Depp because he got challenged, at least would have been a little bit more intrigued of hey, is this maybe Cole's time to sneak a victory over Nick Gage and have it be Ratty Daddy time, or is it still the motherfucking King Nick Gage? And um, this match did deliver. It was good. I think this was a good sign for Cole. Like I said, it shows that. He's going to be there. He's the faith behind him from Brett and GCW, whoever, like whatever the booking is there. The faith is rightfully behind Cole Radrick. It's just not the time, I think, right now. But I, I, I thought it was a wonderful match. I loved everything Cole did with this match. Cole showed a lot here. I just always kind of go back to Nick Cage. I'm just so happy to see him healthy and moving the way he did. And he was having fun. And like as soon as he got yeah, the win, you see yeah. him like grabbing his stomach, but still throwing up the MDK sign. Like this is the Nick Cage I, I've been wanting to see for over a year and I'm seeing it and I'm so glad it is. And I'm glad he's still doing it as a champion still, because I think he adds a lot as a champion as, as much as he's wrestling, he has a lot still to shoot show and prove and, kind of leave it all out there and i'm like like loving this title run i love how uh he's being the fighting champion that he's been saying he is he's going to defend it and he's actually defending it more than i thought he would be i thought it would be maybe once a month once two months it's just a very nice breath of fresh air it's not john moxie where we see him once every three months four months and then bye you're gone it's our king the guy that is gcw was built around being the champion and still being on not on top of his game like his prime, but for what he's got right now, it's probably the best that he has, and it's wonderful. It's great. It's awesome to see. I always just now every time I see Nick Cage, I just always hope we see this Nick Cage, and he's proven it to me that I need to stop doubting him. He's got it. He's still got a lot in his tank. He's a very worthy champion, and I can't wait to see what this title run turns out to because as we said i think there's a lot of different ways they could go and i think there's still time in this title run where we could tell a cool story with whatever they decide to do uh with the gcw world title and but i really like how it's all these different competitors getting a shot at it not the same even though like we did see tony get it after he just did john moxley i kind of don't like that but 
I don't mind it either. I just wish they would have built up to it a different way. I want Cardona and Gage. I, I think they. I, need, we they need, need some more outside before. talent about- to challenge Gage. Gage, Gage is Gage. No, I get it. He's he's you know rubbing all the younger kids, and I think that's fair, and I think that's the right thing to do. But to solidify Gage's final title, he, we need to bring in some outside talent. I know it sounds stupid. No. Bring in Tremont just for fun. I know it that sounds dumb, would be a fun but one. bring in, yeah, bring in some of these guys who can go that are from outside. To basically, what I'm saying is, I don't want to think that Nick Gage is just the best in the backyard. I want to know he's the best in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah you can kick the shit out of Jordan Oliver, but Jordan Oliver's in his mid twenties. Why don't you step up to a, to an established 20 year veteran, kick the shit out of six of those. And then when you see Cole beat the piss out of him too, but you know what I mean? He's, he's at this level. He should also be fighting some of these guys at his same level. He's doing a lot of pushing younger talent and God bless him for that. I, I absolutely love it. But while he still has some in his tank, we do need to see some of these guys come up and run through him again because these matches aren't happening in 2024. They're just not times times ticking for everyone. We need to do this while we can. Yeah, I I first was going to disagree, but I do ultimately agree. I like, I want to see him defend it against people we've never seen him wrestle before. Like, it doesn't yeah, have to, yeah. like, but it needs to kind of make sense of why they're getting the title and stuff like that. And I wouldn't mind seeing, like, hey, this month or this title defense, go against a Tony Deppin, an established person. Next one, go against a Cole Radrick, who's never had mm-hmm. the title. Next one, go against a Tremont, something we haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Next one, maybe go against a Jordan. Next one, maybe as you said, bring in. I don't want to say any names just because. No, Terry. I, I have one name. I don't think it's going to make sense, but I would love to see it just Let's because it. I I think it would be. Fun oh, to I watch. got one. I'll tell you what. You say one. I'll say one. You say one first. On the count of three. No, we're going to say okay. shit on the count of three. Just you for say, fun. If you ready? we say the same shit, okay, guys, this is not planned. I don't think we're going to say the same name. Yeah, if you yeah. say the same name, then uh, we got something going. Okay, let me let me be fair because I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, this is for someone to challenge. Gage, Mine's correct? a non GCW person. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? I'm going outside of GCW here. Me, me too, brother. You ready? Oh, shit. One, two. Ready? One, two, three. Cool. RFP. Get the hell out of here. RSP, we see that, though. No, 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 no. I think it would be incredible. Well, first of all, it's first of all, yeah, it's so left field. (laughs) That's my Booker brain. My Booker brain is saying it's so left field. It would be damn incredible for him to go, wait a minute. You aren't retiring yet. We have business. I would like to see. I know it's. <laughs> if, we, if we were wow. ruffling, if we were wow. ruffling feathers, I'm going to really ruffle feathers now. I would still like to see Atticus and RSP in GCW. I think they were a hot action. I know backstage there was probably other stuff. It's never going to happen, but I think they provided so much during that run. Like I always think, like one of the funnest funnest times of GCW was seeing the action going back and forth with them. And I know Brett gave RSP and all those guys, every opportunity in the world, they he was over champion for damn near a year. It might have even been more. I can't remember, but I, those were the fun times of GCW. Those were like when I started getting into it and going back and watching it. That was the shit that got me in. I think there is still, there, it ain't never going to happen. So I might as well just stop talking about. Well, it. I think that that's a good. I liked it when you said that. I was like, no shop. I'm like, 
I still wouldn't mind seeing it because no, I enjoyed I'm just their saying, run. I enjoyed their just run. Just in your head, in your head, you're at the carousel room. Gabe was like, cool. I'm the best motherfucker out there. Da 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 da. I've heard it all before. And then all of a sudden that music hits. Oh my God, with the crowd. Imagine going the pop. Yeah, that's the best thing. The pop that would pop. be incredible. Yeah. But, but again, bring the rest of the crew with him right behind him. I think what cool. the fuck? The place would oh, go yeah. nuts. People place have, would go nuts. I don't even. I don't mind the other ones. I just. I. I, I was really R.S.P. Atticus. Eric Ryan. Well, I didn't. I don't. I didn't. I, didn't I, I just. I don't want to touch it too much because yeah, it's no. GCW now. We. I don't want to get we're into gonna, it. We're gonna have to. I edit will this say later. No. 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 <laughs> no. No. That's okay. I only think it's fair. We're just talking about it for a second. I will say one thing, and I think it'll be the only thing that I'll say about this. And I'll go to to my grave with this. I know it sounds so stupid, but I mean, I would tell Lauderdale this, and I think he would agree. Um, I think that when it comes to that split, I believe both sides lost. That's it. Oh, That's absolutely. all I'll say about it. That's the only thing I will say, because God bless. I actually like both sides. A hundred percent. I've had a chance to talk with most of those people on both sides. And they're all fantastic, so it's really shitty to see two parents fight. That's I, all. I think yeah. they That's needed all. GCW more than GCW needed them, but ultimately, I do think they both lost because there was still a lot yeah. that that was obviously planned still. But yeah, but um, I just wanted to touch on it for yeah. a minute and I, without I, it being too crazy because I don't want to pull it away from. But we have talked about a lot of crazy, right? Well, we've we've talked out outside a couple times, but that's fair because that's part of GCW. I. I said cruel just because it'd be kind of one of the, like, not the David versus Goliath, but I just, oh my God, every time I'm about to say it, I forget, like, the example. I, okay, there it is. So, like, when, I know it's kind of a bad example, but just on no, not knowing no. what this character was actually the real character, but I go back to, like, I think it would be kind of cool, Nick Gage out there, like, fuck this, I, I we beat everybody, and then boom, cruel comes out. With his slow walk out, his slow walk out to the ring, he's got the menacing look. He's a giant, and you just see Nick Gage. I go to uh, No Holds Barred or WWE and Hulk or WWF at that time, Hulk Hogan and Zeus, or <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, just like, oh, I'm the king. Then you just see this monster, and like, oh shit, like, shit. And you the see Carver. Nick Gage, yeah. And then you're just like Nick Gage. At first, you see a little like, okay, you're a big tough guy. But then you see like fuck that like I don't care about yourself. I I can see that'd be a fun, cool match. I don't know how long it would be. That might be a five minute match, but I think that five minutes would be incredible to watch. I just kind of see a different dynamic if Cruel were to come in and challenge um, Nick Cage as the outside. That was my one that I thought of outside of GCW. Wow, yeah, I I could see yours. I can see mine. I can see yours. <clears throat> yeah, mine mine might be out there for a while. Never say never. No, I'm dead serious, because if something were to ever be planned and come back, that would be a moneymaker. It uh, really would. I, I, I just say, I, I could hear the pop at AC right now. Like, if he showed up, like, that pop would be incredible. Like, they'd be, oh, they'd lose fuck. their shit. Yeah. That would be somebody that would be a heel that that Gage could lose to and the fans would probably be okay with. His little smirk, too, on his little face as he makes his comeback and everyone's booing. That's what I'm That'd talking crazy, about. Yeah. That whole thing. And I would probably book that, that the faction would drop him. And then RSP comes out with his smirk. There's so many ways to book that. Listen, I'm not. Okay. Okay. I said I was done. Yeah. My only <laughs> statement was both, both uh, sides lost. And 
<clears throat> excuse me that stinks well, i think we're seeing that a lot on a lot in wrestling now in general where a lot of money is being left on the table for everybody involved because of personal differences and stuff and then ultimately and sometimes natural, we see but it sucks yeah we see sometimes that hey time heals wounds or cooler heads prevail i i know the situation's not that it's more in depth and stuff like that but i just think it would be kind of cool to see that i was like I, like at first i was totally disagreeing with it but like, i would love to see your your answer like that was fun it's just out there um another one let's just throw shit out there schlack I'd like to see him and Schlack just have a throwdown bullshit That's fight because they can have that. Not a wrestling match, a throwdown bullshit fight. I'm going to say one name that I think it's overdue. I, mm-hmm. I And I actually think because of both histories with everything and since he's kind of back in the promotion now, we could, I they've said his name and we've said his name or we could say his name now too, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. AJ Gray, I think whatever, whatever oh, his, yeah. his time yeah. off was, it's very nice seeing him back. He seems to be kind of having fun. I said it earlier with age with Jimmy Lloyd. He's the one like, Hey, we need you go out there and do it. And AJ Gray's out there doing it, killing it. No matter the match, the situation, anything. I think he, because the way he lost his belt, <laughs> obviously to, uh, I think it was RSP. I think he beat, I can't remember the exact situation off the top of my head, but I think he, AJ Gray beat Nick Gage. It was a surprise. AJ Gray was a champion. Five minutes later, the uh, RSP comes out, steals the championship and started the reign of terror. And AJ Gray never really got, well, the title match against Nick Gage back. So I think there's a lot of storytelling they could do there. I think he was on the verge of, with his match against Moxie, I think he probably at that time might not be the popular decision, but I think it's the more well-deserved. I think he would have been the been an awesome champion and a well, well-deserved champion at that time because at the collective, he was on top of his game and doing cool shit as extreme champion too. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing AJ Gray and Nick Gage kind of go back and settle difference uh, years in the making. I think there's another cool story there. I think, I just think there's a lot of cool stories, which makes it fucking awesome to even talk about, think about all these situations yeah. that could possibly happen with the Nick Gage at top of his game. I think if Nick Gage was how he looked at Moxley, I, I don't care who he goes against. Just someone take the belt off him. Cause he looked like shit, but he does not look like shit. It was a once Whatever, as you said, the injury probably happened. I'm yeah. loving this Nick Gage run. Out of him. Yeah, I'm loving this Nick Gage run. I'm loving. I'm excited to see whoever he goes against because it's been fun to see. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of this match, Deppin comes out and starts talking shit to Gage. Long and short, he says he's taking that belt in two weeks at the UCC in LA. Freaking exciting, honestly. Um, so of course, classic Gage. He basically just tells Tony, "Get the fuck out of here," which. Tony does. He cuts a quick promo saying he's a fighting champion and the crowd chants Gage's name. And that is how we finish the show. It was a good freaking show overall. There was a yeah. lot more to it than I expected. It was in Salje, so I didn't know how much blood was been going on. I didn't know what to expect. It's always been a good show. So yeah, really I thankful. This was a good night with some different things in it. Yeah, and I think that's the fun part is we I'm excited for what's still to come with everything. I think there's a lot of branches that they could go off of what's, what's going on with the wrestlers and the matches and results. I think there's a lot of different cool stuff that they could do, obviously like they always do, but I think they're starting to capitalize on some stuff and I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen, especially at new year's and after going into 2023, 
I think everything's up in the air. With with the addition of Vikingo, I am very interested to see how fast they're going to maybe give him a shot at Nick Gage or if he's ever going to get a shot. I just kind of hope in their first, first match they do not throw him in a scramble. I selfishly kind of... Oh, that would be a waste. Yeah, I don't think so. And this has the debut That's of Vikingo. That's not happening. He's yeah. so... He's- He's much larger than a scramble. Oh, for sure. So I, I was actually kind of hoping, like, since Jordan's not announced, maybe Vikingo comes out as the debut and showing off his, all his cool shit. And Jordan comes out as like, hey, this is our house. This is the MDK house. And maybe Vikingo beats Jordan to get to Nick Gage as the next title shot. Who knows? Uh, I just think with the addition of Vikingo, which I've been asking for for since i became a gcw fan i kind of found out about vikingo around the same time i found gcw so i was like this is a match made in heaven and now yeah. knowing that vikingo is able to work in the states and there he's being booked all over i'm i'm and i'm very excited that gcw is already announcing he's going to be at charlotte he's going to be in a- yeah. ac i think i love mm-hmm. how they're going to be using him for a while because i was i'm still kind of scared because He's so young and talented. He's going to be picked up by one of these companies and not allowed to work indies for a while. So I'm hoping he's able to work indies for a while before he gets snatched up. And I think GCW has a lot of cool things that they could do with him with everything that they've been doing with their shows and roster and everything. For some reason, Vikingo has a a Japanese wrestling feel to me. I know he'll come here for money. I'm sure he'll be in AEW or WWE for money, but for some reason he has such a, a Japanese feel. I don't know why. I think he just has a penchant for um, flair for, um, oh, I can't think of the word for it, but he has enough of an art in him where I think the Japanese style would be good with him also. So damn talented. Absolutely talented. There's a ton of matchups there too. Uh, speaking of matchups, old uh, MTK there, he could go against the great Muta. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, no, actually, um, I think I'm gonna watch that match, the last match of Buta, because I've always been a big fan of his kinds of opening. That's the Sting match, right? Or is it one of the ones? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I always fight against Shinsuke too, which I think is fucking awesome. That that for quote unquote forbidden doors open to see Shinsuke yeah. go see more. I'm all for that. I'm a big Shinsuke fan too, so. uh that was kind of exciting to see that he was able to, hey, we're not using you. Might as well go send you back home and wrestle against yep. one of the legends you probably looked up to and grew up to and have one of their it's final fantastic. matches. I think that's awesome. I think that's what I love. Like I always say about this wrestling, especially independent wrestling, as everyone works together. It's only going to benefit everyone, I think. And especially us fans, we get the most benefit of it all. But I think GCW wrestlers working Defy is going to be cool for Defy. And as GCW goes to Seattle, They'll be kind of familiar with some of the wrestlers. It's going to be a great opening night, I think, there. I think independent wrestling, when they all work together and do all these crazy collaborative shows, I think it's awesome and beneficial to everyone involved. And it's so fun to see. And that's what I love about GCW. We're seeing every night we see a dream match that we've never seen before. And that's why I'm a GCW fan is to see all that kind of shit. I'm in it for the blood. (laughs) We have plenty of (laughs) it at Wasted Time. So you want to do some memorable moments? Yep. Uh, you could go ahead and go first if you would like to. Okay, then. Here's some things that I have that I say will be memorable and take away from this show. Having ECW Originals in the building, it's magic. It's fantastic. If you have a bone of history in your body for wrestling, you appreciate the fact that there is living, breathing history in the same building with you. 
Uh, my next one would be Starboy Charlie and Jack Cartwheel match being a good wrestling match with above average athleticism. That was fantastic. I hope that's a match they were both very uh, proud of. The promising Axton Ray Shane Mercer pairing looks really good, and I hope to see more. The short tag team match between the ECW stars, I will mention only because, again, I wish I would have seen more, but it was nice to see them out there. Jimmy Lloyd putting together a good impromptu match with Jake Lander. Highly surprised by that. Yeah, keep forgetting that was impromptu. Yeah, uh, yeah, because Wayne, uh, Wayne... Effie and Murdoch was entertaining. I just wanted to mention that the 30 minute Deppin Oliver match being much better than expected for 30 minutes. Radrick getting a shot after waiting for two years for that belt. And then lastly, the fact that we're just getting promos and videos that uh, really give us depth to some of this. And it helps us to have something to talk about when we talk about speculating on who may win this and that but yeah Deppin coming out and giving that promo it was good stuff and it was necessary to me so I think it was a fantastic night at Pops and um, hopefully that's everything I will remember from this show (laughs) but my memory is shit so who knows and that's why I write everything down like I said I'm like oh I haven't seen him in a while two weeks ago he was on the show like oh shit I forgot because all the shows I've been watching um my memorable moment, my big one is the team of Axe and Ray Shane Mercer. I need to see more of it. I want to see more of it. Please let this continue on. Let them continue to throw a bunch of uh, local tag teams uh, all around and kind of show them and let them kind of grow and get the chemistry needed to become a great tag team because I am loving that pairing. Um, Madman Pondo totally changed my view on him that I shouldn't have had in the first place because I didn't really know too much about him. But from what I saw... I made the wrong assessment. I love seeing him put over Sawyer Wreck, uh, get bloodied, put on a great performance, and go out there for an 11-minute match. Unfortunately, unlike Sandman, which was kind of the opposite, I really wish we would have saw more of Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio in that tag team title match. Um, Effie defeating John Wayne Murdoch. I am very interested to see what happens. I, I know Effie's kind of already got his hands tied with Charles Mason. Maybe that will end in LA. And very interested to see why or see John Wayne Murdoch take a loss after winning the Nick Gage Invitational. I just wonder what's going to happen yeah. with that. Maybe we got bigger and brighter things in the future. Tony Depp and Jordan Oliver, the short version of 30 minutes instead of two hours was still incredible to watch. I'm... I'm happy with everything. Everything that match did everything it needed to be an elevator. Jordan, it helped uh, Tony Depp and get some more momentum going into his title match against Nick Gage. And the uh, main event was fun. Seeing Nick Gage hundred uh, percent being fantastic in the ring. Awesome. Cole Radrick right there. He's not quite there yet, but he's right there to being a superstar in GCW as one that might be the, future king of this shit as nick gage says so um maybe the bloody buddy has a another future title shot in the near future to uh kind of cement his status as a gcw main eventer withholding the world title i think he's right there but this match was fun to watch and i think overall this card was better than expected than i thought to be honest with you i i was excited for it got let down a couple times but everything else made up for what i did get let down and it was a better than expected show and i am very 
happy with the show and i would definitely i i like i went back and watched it the next day <laughs> after uh one night only so um yeah fun fun card for gcw's wasted time which i do not think it was a waste of time it was very valuable time listen to you like an ego oh <laughs> uh before <laughs> no i was just gonna say we could put that on a pillow <laughs> it was not wasted time Speaking of pillows, it's getting late here. So, uh, before. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Right. Uh, before we send them out here, I do want to just say a quick shout out to all the listeners out there. Uh, I've been updating John on the numbers with everything. These last three days have been insane. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you all to the listeners out there. We see a lot of now, uh, listeners in Belgium and Singapore. And all over the United States, all over. We're seeing, yeah, we're seeing a lot more. But those two countries specifically, I uh, appreciate the listens out there. Hope you guys keep on spreading the word. Keep on spreading uh, GCW love. Get everybody that maybe that used to be a wrestling fan or is and has not seen GCW. Show them one of these cards. Get them on Fight TV Plus for four ninety nine a month and catch the entire library of gcw wrestling as well as other great wrestling promotions on that fight tv plus and um yeah just thank you to all the fans it's been <laughs> crazy this last couple of days and last couple of weeks that even uh we didn't put anything out but still seeing all the listeners we've been kind of breaking our own personal well my own personal kind of goals for this show it's been kind of the last three days insane on my part so i just wanted to make sure all you guys are out there like you are appreciated we do thank you very much we obviously do this show for you guys as fans to kind of help spread the word, keep you guys updated on what's going on in GCW and uh, trying to get more GCW plants out there to watch GCW wrestling because it's fucking awesome. Sweet. Well, I have to say I am also thankful. You actually said everything really well, so I'm not going to repeat it too much. But yeah, we do put a lot of hard work in. We don't do any promotions, really. We don't do any money type things. We just literally sit here and talk about wrestling, and usually it goes well. Oh, you didn't so, get your uh, TV Plus check this week? Oh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that Sorry. and my Blue Chew and all that other Yeah, <laughs> yeah my, my big money. Um, no, that was the same, same thing as you said. Just really, really, really thankful. Um, but also... There's been a couple podcasts that have wanted to mention them because they've kind of became partners with them. We wanted to make sure we mentioned them because they're mentioning us. So the one I'll mention is the Mark Hoke show, which is a gentleman who has spoken to us recently and he was a very good guy and he has a fantastic show that we've listened to and we really like. So that's somebody that if you want to talk about wrestling or sports he does a lot of that generally it's aew on his side and he likes to do a lot of interviews with aew people so that would be someone to tune in if you have an aew scratch that you'd like to get itched or an itch you'd like to get scratched <laughs> it is late <laughs> uh yeah the other uh, other podcast i want to kind of shout out that's kind of given us shout outs uh surprisingly is uh the conan Keeping it 100 with Conan and Disco on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube with the Chris Jericho Network. Um, they've been giving us shout outs and they've been uh, showing us support. And yeah, we want to give that support back and appreciate everything you guys have done to uh, spread our word. And we're going to try to spread your word around as well. So appreciate that, Conan and uh, Disco, for showing the support when. Uh, just we're just of, puppies. Yeah, yeah, we're just a little podcast. So seeing them kind of reach out to us and 
show us support on their podcast was very uh surprising but very kind of cool to see that we are making waves somehow some way even though we're just a little plant podcast trying to get people watching uh gcw now we want people to go check out the mark hoke show go check out conan uh keeping it 100 and yeah we'll just keep and they on. like us yeah that's, that's crazy that was like yeah that's like <laughs> that was out of nowhere they reached out to us and uh asked some questions and well, we uh talked to them and yeah they're giving us shout outs and we just want to return the favor because we always appreciate people that support us and we want to support the people that support us so um thank you very much uh mark coke and conan for the support and everyone else all the listeners out there too the fans that are responding to us on twitters and everything um we appreciate it yeah we've received a lot of help and a lot of love from a lot of people and it's it means a lot yes thank you on behalf of myself and uh-huh. one Mr. John, John I almost called Jay John Wayne Warner, Wolf- to be honest. Bitch, with you. I, I was working did. with you on this one. <laughs> I almost did it. I messed okay. it up. What were you going to call me? John Wayne Murdoch. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. No. John Wayne missed. Pussy. Oh, don't start that one now. Yeah. Alex, we're going to get Alex Cologne out of his uh, brief hiatus to come back and handle some business. Ooh. <laughs> he's he's going he's gonna to get the itch. I can't wait. Oh, he well, he's in Japan. Every... I don't know if you know that. He's actually in Japan yeah. in the next couple months, which is kind of cool. Then he said he's going to take the break. So uh, hopefully he does Good. what he needs to do. And hopefully we'll get to see him back in a GCW ring uh, at some point in the near future as a fully healthy and mentally ready to uh, get back to being the three-peat that he is of uh, the deathmatch world. Yeah. You ready? You uh, ready to say right bye-bye this time? this time? Let me get your name right this time and we'll be Okay, just okay, okay. Ready to go. Mr. John J. J. Wolf. Wolf, baby. Hey, we got no heel wolf today, too. I think I went heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went, you know, I, I was, I was face. You were, you were, you kept your composure tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I held my shit together wonderfully. On behalf of us, Mr. John J. Wolf and myself, uh-huh. we appreciate you all and we will send you out like we always do with a long live, live G C D W.